Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that we record wearing power fists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm your host Matt and joining me as always, a guy so game-changing that he should have his own contrast paint called Chaotic Cameron Cream. It's Cameron. <laughs> well, I am a very white man, so I feel it would be appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking what, what uh, colours begin with C. Yeah, <laughs> I could have yeah. done crimson well, or something yeah, like that. Cr- crimson would be very appropriate, as we'll get into in a minute in the hobby section. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, hey, we're back, everyone. Uh, yeah. We're going to do the news properly this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, we're going to do it in a very calm collective yeah. manner obviously yeah. we got a bit excited last episode when we were on the well the verge of obviously warhammer fest at the time yeah. because obviously yeah it was breaking news as we were literally recording but mm. we can do it properly this episode yeah <laughs> so- look last time we finished recording i got up from my desk and very calmly jumped up and down 33 times on the spot thoughts <laughs> just going chaos night chaos night we're not doing that this episode <laughs> 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 and and you would think you got some funny looks, but I thought, mm, this is Cameron. He does this anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's my traditional Saturday evening ritual. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And uh, and obviously, I went there, so I can mm, share yeah, the experience with everyone. News from the front line. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, here we are. Episode 28. I can't believe we're getting that, that mm. closer to uh, episode 30 now. But what are we yeah. covering? So, as we've said, we're going to do our hobby stuff, talk about Warhammer Fest, obviously in the news, and obviously anything else that's been happening. Uh, for the main lore topic, uh, which would be a 40k one, but in theory we're doing a 30k one, really, mm. as we'll be discussing mm. the novel The Buried Dagger, which is the final Horus Heresy novel before it switches to the the Siege of Terror series. Mm. Um, and then at the end we're going to have a, a little AOS discussion topic where we're basically going to discuss, do we think there's going to be a schism amongst the Order Pantheon? Mm-mm-mm. Mm. So interesting things ahead. <laughs> uh, and if you do find us interesting in what we do, uh, you can go onto iTunes if you would like and give us a five star review. It would be greatly appreciated if you did. Uh, it gets the show out there. Or if you don't want to do that or can't do that for whatever reason, uh, just, just drop us into conversation. You know, if you feel we, like I said, we deserve it, you know, share what we do just, you know, on forums, say, Hey, you like Warhammer, you like podcasts, those Realm and Ruin guys, they're great. Uh, maybe handsome, depending on your preference. And um, <laughs> go check them out. <laughs> and uh, if you want to support the show, uh, you can also go to our coffee page, which means you can throw us a, a few bucks or a few pounds. Uh, again, it just supports the show, but always optional uh social media wise you can check us out on twitter at realm and ruin or facebook at facebook.com slash realm and ruin um you can also join the many gorgeous people in our discord server which i'll be talking about in a bit so you can you know go on there for free no no charge at all just join and talk to all our lovely other warhammer people on there um and talking to discord if like I said, if you do join our server, we do have a option for you to ask us a question. And I have a question that I will read out now so Cameron and us can answer. Uh, mm-hmm. This comes from a friend of the show, Smells Like Zero Spirit. Okay. And <laughs> I, like, I really like this question. Mm. So basically he said, if you guys had all the money and time available in the world, is there any army in either of the two big games, so 40K or AOS, which you would still never collect? Oh. 
<clears throat> so Cameron, go for it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I want to say they're all my beloved children, but they're not. <laughs> Never would I ever collect an Astra Militarum army. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're very cool. Don't get me wrong. I love the guard. Mm. They're great. But for me, like, and I-, I love them in the fiction as well, especially, but for me on the tabletop from a Mitch's standpoint, they really don't appeal. Like, yep. I'm I'm much less into that historical gaming side of things, I guess, which is where the key visual influences for most Imperial Guard stuff comes from. But they have, they have <laughs> some really cool stuff. I love Sentinels. Can't get enough of Sentinels uh, and Basilisks, but they're about the only two models in the range that I really, really <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> so, I would probably never do an Imperial Guard army, also because I think it would go absolutely insane even with all the time in the world and all the money in the world painting them. I guess I could get them commissioned <laughs> actually. Oh, yeah, that's that's the answer. option. Like I said, oh. there was not... It wasn't we had to personally do them, but again, yeah. it's it, like something where no. like I said... Vi- you aesthetically you wouldn't go for so yeah i, w- I would get i would get a four thousand point imperial guard army that's a company command squad and then about 500 sentinels does that count <laughs> as an imperial guard army? well yeah 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 we can totally. make it um, work. <laughs> yeah it, it imperial guard is the one i would probably never collect in 40k in age of sigma honestly uh dispossessed maybe again i really Mm. love the old dwarves aesthetic but the models just don't live up to the current ones and i would feel dissatisfied trying to like work and convert with them i think is the only thing like they look great when they're done but i'm like i don't think i could do anything interesting with them as opposed to almost everything else (laughs) i mean i would i would include like the old orcs green skins on that list but they've been gone in a fair while actually i'm pretty sure yeah they are yeah yeah um yeah, that's basically it. Like, the things I don't think I can do something interesting with or things that I don't find have a great pool are kind of the things I wouldn't want to collect, even with a million trillion dollars and a horde of commission painters to do the work for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's Yeah, it's funny. Do you know what? Like, one thing I will mm. say, actually, obviously, we have not discussed this no. question before. Yeah, I've literally picked this one at random, so this is the first time <laughs> we've spoken about it. And it's funny because pretty much my answer is almost the same as yours really um, <laughs> no, no joke um, <laughs> that's just that's just pure coincidence i i said for when this mm. when i first saw this question my the instant thing that came to mind was imperial guard I, <laughs> I i and that's again like you no disrespect to imperial mm. guard it's not like it's not there's nothing disrespect disrespect against anyone that collects them either it's just that for me from a 40k mm. point of view i like you know, I want space elves that, you know, that mm. like torturing people. I want, I want, you know, robotic type Xenos that can, you know, bring, come back from the dead. I want human super soldiers. I want human super, super, super soldiers in the case of the mm. custodies. I don't, I have no interest in, you know, aesthetically in Imperial Guard. They're just grunt soldiers. Mm. And I know that appeal appeals to a lot of people. So again, that's why it's purely down to preference. But from me, on my perspective, I, you know, I'd rather just collect, like I said, another war game if that was the case. But for 40k, it's too futuristic for me to, mm. you know, to have any interest in Imperial Guard. They're just, and again, don't don't hate me for saying this. I just find them boring. <laughs> uh, you know, that's just the yeah. way my I've always I've always felt that even when I was a kid, mm. I was never interested, and even now, yeah. still the same. And like I said, from the AOS side, I would say dwarves. So, uh, dispossessed fire slaves. <laughs> I just, I, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to sweep in statement. I'm just going to put them all under. Um, I just, uh, it's just, again, it's just a preference. Just in from a perspective mm. of anything fantasy, 
um you know even lord of the rings or mm. you know D or anything you see i've just just dwarves are just not a, a race that i've had any real interest in like i said i yeah. just think just you know their whole culture and thing again i don't i don't find them boring like i said i, I love reading about the lore and things like that like the, like the caradron overlords and things like that it's not mm. i find them boring i just saying aesthetically the models and they just don't really do anything for me. So yeah, it would be mm. Imperial Guard and, and uh, Dwarves. And it's yeah. quite funny actually, because looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, looking at uh, Smell Like Zero Spirit's actual sort of follow on from this actual question, because mm. he put his own opinion in. Uh, he said, for me, it is the Empire or whatever they want to be called now, yeah. i.e. like the, the free guilds free guild, uh, yeah. and and the guard i imperial guard or whatever they want to be called now <laughs> i have no interest in the common man when i have dinosaurs and angry fungi available <laughs> but see, that's 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 yeah. why I, I agree that i agree with mm. that totally mm. see we say that now now that we've said all this next week games workshop's going to surprise us Silvernet's still unavailable for pre-order but this week Brand new Katachan sculpts. They're all in amazing Arnie action poses. <laughs> 20 to a box. Completely yeah. posed, completely unique. And I'll be like, okay, now I'll start. God damn, now I'll start an Imperial Guard army. <laughs> yeah, that would, take that it would all back. Yeah, yeah, take it all back. <laughs> it all up for, for a good Katachan exactly. multi-part box. Oh, God. <laughs> We're weak. We, we changed our mind oh, on yeah. the, the flesh you know, weak. flip of a coin. The spirit is even more so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ah, so, but thank you very much for your question. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I like these put us on the spot questions. They're fun. Um, and another little bit of news before we get into the hobby stuff is, um, something we were talking about before we start recording is that, uh, we're getting a returning guest soon in a couple mm-hmm. of episodes time. Yeah. Uh, friend of the show, Stephen Rhodes. Mm-hmm. If you've not checked out his interview episode that we did quite a well, about a year ago now. Yeah. Uh, go check it out if you've not done it already. He's a, a great lad. We really like him, and he's coming back on the show in, I think, two episodes' time. And the yeah. good thing is what we're doing a bit different, because obviously last time Stephen joined us on the show, we interviewed him because he's uh, he's basically was one of the writers for Wrath and Glory, and amongst other things that he does. Uh, but this time he'll be actually joining us as basically a, for a third host mm. for the episode. So we'll be doing our normal format, you know, going through, you know, lore and news and hobby stuff, and he'll be giving his opinion as well. So yeah. really looking forward to that. <laughs> Um, and that won't be, you know, very long now. Yeah, yeah. So, talking of hobby stuff and all that sort of stuff, uh, Cameron, what have you been doing? Oh, God, has it been two weeks already? Um, <laughs> it has. <laughs> I have done essentially nil, uh, which is, oh. yeah, oh. yeah, uh, life, life gets busy. I don't know. No, I've just been doing, again, new house. I said everything was sold with a new house. I lied. The second you say that something new happens, um, <laughs> to take care of, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Um, so yeah, I haven't done a whole lot, but I've done some interesting things. So I do have something to talk about. Don't worry. So we'll start, <laughs> start from the start. And the start is, so I got the Sigvold mini. I put him yep. together. Sans his shield arm. He's left his shield arm off for paint. He's about. 10% of the way through being painted, I'm gonna say. I'm putting this out, out on a tree. I've done, I've done a sort of a good base for the armor, I think, and I've been having fun experimenting with him, and basically that's it. I've, I've, du- I've started work on the armor. This one's gonna take a while. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's been fun. I've been having fun experimenting with lots of weird different paint schemes, uh, for, in, I mean, in general, I've been having fun branching out my paint schemes recently, but specifically on this, like, 
I know I want, I knew I wanted gold armor, but I wanted to do it differently to the other gold armors that I've already done. <clears throat> so I actually started silver and I gave it a wash of like the Reichland flesh egg gloss. And then I did something really weird. I'm not sure exactly how it worked out. Uh, but I did like glazing with metallic paints. Uh, so lots of very thin, even layers, uh, that kind of meant sit on the top, etc., etc. And it sort of worked out really well, I think. I think. Not 100% sure. It doesn't help that for whatever reason it reflects light kind of weirdly and I can't take a good photo of it with my camera <laughs> to get second opinions. Uh, but I think it looks all right. And then I think from here I'm going to go with some more traditional painting methods on top to try and, you know, mm -hmm. neaten it up a little and bring out the edges a little more. Uh, and then it'll be on to working out what color I'm going to paint all his skin because this is, this is quite a lovely little model and my favorite detail is he's got these sort of bare thighs. <laughs> just peeking out to either <laughs> side, which is very Slanesh. Um, he's just yeah, kind of true. walking around with his armor strapped directly onto his bare skin because, I don't know, he's weird like that. Um, <laughs> mm, he's perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. He's perfect. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure I might go with something more unearthly. I might try to go with sort of almost a blue-gray skin tone. We'll see. Uh, see exactly what works with all the other colors and bring together. No idea what I'm doing with his hair. I really want to be sure before I put anything on that because I want the hair to be perfect because obviously Slanesh. Um, <laughs> uh, and I've started, you know, painting up his base and stuff. That's just interim stuff to keep myself distracted while I try and figure out what to do with the rest of him. Um, I've done a wee bit more painting. Now, I mentioned earlier, I'll talk about red when I get to the hobby section. This is where red comes up. Um, or crimson, I should say. So, I have in my possession a vampire lord on zombie dragon that I picked up I'm pretty sure before we started the show for D&D, &D, and <laughs> it's about to become relevant in D&D, &D, like, a year and a half later. <laughs> um, <laughs> Investment. Yeah, exactly. So I've had it sitting on my shelf, but as you know, Aaron's been like, oh, what's that for? It's like, oh, I just picked it up on a whim. I'm going to ally it with my ghosts and stuff. Don't worry about it. It's nothing that'll affect you. I lied. It will affect you. You will fight it in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but to do so, I, of course, have to paint it. Because what use is a big boss on a giant rotting dragon if it's not all painted? Uh, <clears throat> and I thought I'd try something different here as well. So I've actually been experimenting with uh, Xenophile highlights. I'm pretty sure is the terminology. Okay. So, yeah, I just primed it black. And then from above, I did a fairly heavy white primer as well. And I've started painting it bit by bit. And I'm pretty... I'm pretty happy with the Xenothal style, actually. Like, it comes through fairly natural if you layer your paints on thin enough. Like, you know, the idea is the undersides of things are darker and the oversides are naturally lighter because white paint on top, black paint on the bottom, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. It's subtle, but I think it, I think it's quite a nice transition it can make. Uh, this is where red comes in. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm painting the wing membranes in sort of a nice deep red, which I am digging deep into my half-dried up paint pots, and I dug up an old foundation paint pot, uh, which was <laughs> Mechrite red, which that doesn't exist anymore, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> I don't think it does, no. So I, I rescued some of that, but it was a little too dark, and God, I forgot, I forgot what foundation paints were like. For those not in the know, foundation paints were base paints, to the extreme, like, it's essentially barely liquid pigment, it feels like. Um, <laughs> it's probably even more so this one's fairly dried out. And so I've sort of scooped out what I could out of it to save it. 
Uh, and then I've started mixing it with, uh, I think it's corn red. One of the, one of the newer base coat reds, uh, which brings it up just a little bit and also helps thin it out a little bit because even thinning it heavily <laughs> with water, it was still like this big pile of gloop, uh, when it was just the pure macrite red. So ridiculous how much was in there. Um, so I started painting those red and I went, you know, contrast isn't here yet. <laughs> we'll talk about that as well. Uh, I'm sure you've got will. stuff to say about that. Contrast I isn't do. here yet. <laughs> so I can't, I can't shade color highlight in one step. So I'll just have to do the normal thing. I have to wash this red. Of course you wash a nice red with caribou crimson. There I am minding my own business, sitting outside at a table, putting caribou crimson on my zombie dragon's wings. And lo and behold, what happens? But a bee flies past, startles the shit out of me, and causes me to spill caribou crimson all over myself. No! <laughs> so I have to get another pot of caribou crimson, and maybe maybe a new set of shorts. Uh, Over-under over on how well those are going to come out of the wash. If they're really bad, I'll get rid of them. If they're just a little bad, maybe I'll only wear them at home. Maybe no one will notice. Who knows? Uh, but- it could be a fat... A fashion oh, yeah. know, setter yeah. there, so it'll be it'll become the new thing. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, red stained we'll, we'll merchandise really it. popular. <laughs> 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 oh god. Um Yeah, uh, I'm kind of happy with how that's coming out. I stopped there for the day because obviously I had to clean up uh, all this wash everywhere is a nightmare. Um but I stopped there for the day. I'm pretty happy with how the colours have come out though, once all that dried. Uh so I'll keep plugging away with that once i go get some more goddamn caribou crimson um <laughs> and hopefully i'll have that finished i'm not going to say next show but maybe the show after because i do want to get it done relatively soon um yeah it's going to be interesting uh it's a fun model to paint i'm not sure what i was thinking putting it all together except for the rider this was before I learned about sub-assemblies, I guess. So uh, there, there are bits that will always be just kind of in shadow and black because there's no way a brush is getting in there. But uh, that's, <laughs> that's life. That's fine. Um, did I do anything else? Yes, I did a few other wee things. Uh, continuing the dragon themes. Hey, I bought Smog a while back and uh, working on getting him together. The legs are now attached and aligned so that they go into the base properly. So that's good. Good start. Uh, next step is getting the head on, then working out how to attach the wings without attaching the wings because I need to keep them off the painting. Uh, and then we'll, and then uh, a little bit of converting here and there. Uh, I need to buy probably, I'm going to estimate three boxes of spirit hosts to kind of just slap all over this guy. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, he's not going to be, he's not going to be Lord of the Rings miniatures battle game smoke, although I'm sure I'll pull him out. For uses that every now and again, uh, <laughs> it's going to be in D and D boss. It's going to be a big dragon with necromancy powers covered in ghosts. So mm-hmm. I got to I got to get more spirit hosts to slap all over this. <laughs> have have this sort of a whole bunch of ghosts swarming over him uh, again, which will have to be able to be removed for painting. So uh, it's got its own structural issues. This is the kind of challenge I like though with converting. Is I I like converting something in a way that I know I can take it apart to paint it. <laughs> Um, yeah, that makes sense. And put it back to I kind of like the challenge of trying to figure that out and how to get things hanging over other things in angles where it looks like a solid connection when realistically the connection is like three inches away on the underside of the model or something like that. That's always, that's always fun. Uh, sometimes I get tired and I just stick it on permanently anyway and try and paint around it. Not going <laughs> to do it with this. Definitely not going to do that with this one. There's too much, too much of an investment with this one. Um, uh, it's fun. Every time I pull him out of the box, I forget how big he is. Um, 
Because <laughs> he's a big God, boy. If, anyway. if he was straightened out, he'd probably be like two and a half feet long or something, which is awful. It's just too big, this dragon. But it's a fantastic model. <laughs> Having a lot of fun working with it. Going to, going to ease around on it. Um, Let's see. Other hobby things, non-related things. I haven't really bought anything lately. I did finish reading Attack of the Necron by Kavan Scott. I believe that's the author's oh, name. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed it, actually. Again, same things as the other uh, War Warhammer Adventures book, the Age of Sigma one. It's obviously written for a younger audience, you know, but, like, I, I liked I liked the idea of the characters and how they work together and stuff. So, you know, like, this is an archaeologist and her daughter is the idea. Like, the daughter is the main character. And, you know, they go around, they dig up literally old junk because the Imperium values anything over the age of, like, 5,000 years. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's some point where, you know, uh, Necrons attack because it's called attacking the Necron. And, you know, they're running away and someone's like, we've got to stand and fight. And she's like, no, I don't want to make a weapon. I just want to wait, make a way out of it. It's like, why? It's like everything we dig up is either a gun or a cogitator. And everywhere we <laughs> dig up guns, nowhere li- no one lives there anymore. <laughs> like... The Imperium's <laughs> been doing nothing but weapons for 10,000 years, and look where it's gotten us. No, we should try something new and different. I'm like, there would be people who th- who would think like that in the Imperium. Mostly, True. they yeah. would not talk uh, talk about that out loud, but hey, you're in the middle of nowhere with just people who know you closely and aren't going to report you to the Inquisition. Yeah, let's say, <laughs> let's say the Imperium's focus on military might is maybe not the best thing for it, if somewhat necessary within setting. Um... Yeah, it just had interesting stuff. It had a Jokero in it, like the little orangutan alien things. Um, do you know what those are? I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, they're, they're, I think there's a model for them. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, just, it's one of those you come across on the GW website, yeah, I think, isn't yeah. it? Where you just randomly just come across it and think, what's that? It's just an orangutan <laughs> with a very long finger, uh, effectively. That was actually yep. quite cool because, again, it's, a, it's actually you know, an intelligent Xenos creature, et cetera, et cetera, but it's a person in its own right and has its own kind of character. Um, yeah, and it's it's interesting. I'm interested to see going forward what happens to this lot of people that they end up fighting gene stealers, I think, in the next book that's coming out or has recently mm. come out. Um, that's been announced, I yeah. think, yeah. Also, uh, I would like to make an observation. The 40K book was distinctly darker than the Age of Sigma book. To the point where well. a fourteen-year-old <laughs> child was disintegrated in front of his friends. <laughs> oh, oh, wow! Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's uh, stuck in the rubble. I got to pull him out. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll help him. It's like, no, get away! And then zap, <clears throat> child gang. I mean, he was a gang member. He's dirty, dirty gang member in the underhive. Oh, yeah, so he deserved he it. Deserved it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still like, man, this. this and, and, like, there are other bits, like, you know, one of them is a gang member who, you know, ran out on the Imperial Guard duty, basically. And it's like, he nearly gets caught by some local Imperial Guard when he's raiding a shuttle port. And the Imperial Guard's first reaction is, stop right there. And when these obviously children don't stop right there, the Imperial Guard opens fire on them immediately with, like, actual <laughs> las guns. I'm like, okay, no, I think this is actually a 40, 000, Warhammer 40,000 book. It's just from a child's <laughs> perspective, which is why it doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, jeez, <Yeah. laughs> there, there is some actually quite well, dark stuff in there. <laughs> well, it's, it is. That's the way the universe works. It's mm. sort of, you know, it's a harsh reality they're obviously having to deal with. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um. And that's more or less everything I did. I've really not gotten up to much these last two weeks. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. 
That sort of makes a change, actually. Oh, yeah. Usually you're the one that's busy doing stuff and I'm mm. trying to do yeah. stuff. <laughs> I, feel, I feel it's because I keep uh, saying next time I'll have more to talk about, so I won't say that this week. And maybe yeah, I'll have something yourself. done because of that. No. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. What have you been up to? I know you went on an interesting excursion at the very least. I did. I went on an adventure <laughs> to Coventry in the UK. <laughs> so, yeah, as anyone listened to last episode mm. would have noticed is that yes i went to warhammer fest and met up with some of our great people from our discord server so big shout out to alex drew and marco it was lovely meeting you guys we had an awesome time and well i hope you did i did anyway (laughs) and uh, unfortunately chris which is another guy we were going to meet unfortunately we never sort of connected Mm. as in he was there we were there but we never sort of ended up in the same place at the same time sort of situation (laughs) so but uh, i hope he had a good time as well uh yeah it was it was great so i'll do a a little rundown of some of the things we did obviously i'll i'll try not to do go into too in depth because we'll see we'll cover that in the new (laughs) in the new section so yeah uh what did we do we tried contrast Mm. paints uh which was a very interesting experience. So obviously, if anyone would have seen the photos on the website, uh, you obviously got big tables of lots of people trying to get to <laughs> try it for the first time. They gave us about 10 different paints to try. Uh, you, They basically, I think what they did is just, they had a load of different miniatures that they just sprayed in obviously the two primers, which again, we're going to mm. talk about later. So basically you got the one for the lighter tones, one for the darker tones. Uh, I picked up a, or the, Sorry, the mm. model I used uh, to more, to paint was a Stormcast Ooh. Sequitor. Because uh, I thought, well, you know, it's got robes, it's got armor. This will be a perfect example. And I sort of just just went for it. I just basically turned into, or turned the, <laughs> the Sequitor into a rainbow, nice. basically. I wasn't trying to paint paint him in the sense of, like, to try to do it properly. I just wanted to see what each or certain colors mm. look like. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, again, I'll save this, but. It's going to be potentially game-changing, oh, yeah. I think, is how Absolutely. I would look at this. It's a very weird experience. <laughs> but again, I'll I'll save that for later. Um, what else? We met some you know, mm, famous mm, Warhammer people. Um, we, <laughs> yeah, just a couple. I mean, there was, I mean, they're all there. I saw, I saw Gav Thorpe, but he was just milling, well, <laughs> milling around. I mean, he sounded like he wasn't doing anything, but he wasn't like at the tables. Because obviously the way it was set up is that you had tables on one of the floors where you could go and basically approach people you know you had their name and what they do and obviously you may or may not recognize them obviously depending on Mm. who who you you know in 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 the sort of industry basically so um i spoke to we did we spoke Mm -hmm. to nick horth the author of for like city of secrets and callous and toll i praised his work (laughs) because i really like his novels so he was a pleasure to meet um we got to speak to aos bigwig ben johnson Mm. who's I think technically product yeah. developer and we had a great chat with him. We um sort of, you know, basically asked him well, various different questions. Obviously it's difficult because obviously he has to be very tight lipped about mm. things. Um one thing I did ask him about was how they sort of how far in advance they plan stuff. Uh he says generally about two mm. years. Um and everything and the, the one thing he categorically said quite a few times, and he said this in the Q and A session that we went to, is everything is completely model yeah, driven. Yeah. It's not we've got some rules, get get us some models to do it. It's completely the other mm. way around. It's here's some models, do something with them, you know, from a rules perspective or or whatever mm. really. So they're completely driven by that. What they tend to he said they tend to do is they have like big events 
in in advance, like from a narrative yeah. point of view. So like Soul Wars and obviously Forbidden Power that's being released today. Uh, you know, that's they'll, that'll be like a mm. year or two in mm. advance. And then what they do is they then put everything on the path to get there mm. so they they know where you know where they know where the end point or sorry not the end point where the next checkpoint is like yeah. right in a year's time soul wars is coming out what how are we going to get there like mm-hmm. what are we going to do what tomes are we going to put out etc uh, etc et you know what narrative can we do so that was really yeah. interesting um you saw a lot of you know again you, we saw a lot of the <laughs> the faces you know we saw um like wade price from the mm-hmm. Uh, Stormcast and Voxcast lovely, podcasts. Lovely. Um, he was interviewing people. Uh, I spoke to Andy Hoare, who has had involvement with like Necromunda and mm. Adeptus Titanicus. He showed off his Emperor's Children with contrast because mm. that was another key thing. Yeah, is yeah. a lot of staff member, all all these people I'm, I'm mentioning, is they had their models done in contrast. Like an example, say, look what I've done. And he did, like I said, he did some Emperor's Children and. What he'd done is he basically had sprayed him in lead belcher and then just done one of the purples over it. Mm. Uh, and I tell you what, he looked fantastic <laughs> for as simple as what he just described. You're like, wow, mm. <laughs> that's how he managed to get some, <laughs> you know, some heresy sort of you know, level uh, Empress children. It was fantastic. Um, we got to see all the golden demon stuff, you know, which was mind blowing. You know, there's, there, there's, there's people out there that do stuff that I can't even believe yeah. they get to that sort of yeah. level. There's stuff that is jaw-dropping mm. you know when you see it you're thinking um and it's amazing what models are very popular as well mm. you know because obviously you've got a massive range of 40k and aos stuff there and obviously the other games as well but what's quite interesting like there's there's what some ones that, like for example mortari yeah. very popular yeah. he's a very popular model for and there was one with um which i think i've seen on twitter since um where it's basically got like moth eyes oh god in, yeah in, you know in, in the in the wings so much. Oh, it's like it's almost like i was inches away from painted it. into the eyes on the wings as well which is so weird yeah god that one's so good it's uh, <laughs> unbelievable um another one that was very i know well i say it was very popular mm. since it had its own little section because there were so many entries was the ideneth deepkin tidecaster oh, you know the, okay. the the female yeah, yeah. you know wizard uh character that was a very popular one as well but yeah i mean you just everything in there was just like wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you just you, how you would ever get to that standard i don't know <laughs> but no fair play to everyone that was in it um like i said we went to the aos q a mm-hmm. which was great as well uh so basically that was obviously a room of of all of us that were that managed to get a slip to get into it you had ben johnson answering the questions and a couple of the guys as mm-hmm. well that were sort of helping out and i mean to be fair when i say helping out what they were often doing was helping him not slip up on things <laughs> i not reveal he was like can i say this you know to obviously the other guys because obviously he knows obviously yeah a lot yeah that he can't reveal yeah. yet and obviously <laughs> you know so it, it was quite interesting what he was he could and couldn't say oh, um i'm trying to think what he, some of the things he said mm. uh again like i said everything is extremely model driven and that's actually a key thing i the i did actually pluck up the courage to ask mm. him a question which was quite intimidating because you get handed a mic and yeah. you got to tell it to the whole room <laughs> you basically i asked him it was similar to what i've said about war cry on the show before which is what what was the sort of motive behind it i you know you've got skirmish mm. you've got underworlds why why warcry where where what made you you know make this a thing where's the where's the market for mm. it and basically he said it's down to the fact that the sculpt you know the sculptors and design team made a load of chaos warbands mm. and said do something with it so they, what <laughs> they did is thought we'll make a game around mm. them that is it that oh, is that's as simple as it cool. there was no in- <laughs> 
there was no intention necessarily to make a kill team esque yeah. game based around chaos war war bands. It's just that they had the models designed and made, and they're mm. like, oh, what should we do? Yeah. With them? Uh, let's make a game oh, out of them. That's really interesting. Which, yeah, interesting. Because yeah. like. I, I mean, I guess I can understand why they went with that, because it seems so far from what we've seen from Warcry, all the warbands are super distinct, star-wise. So I guess, like, if they yep. went, oh, we want to just tie them into a normal single Chaos book release, that might be a bit difficult to do, like, visually, at the very least. Like, you could do, like, I don't know, a Tribes of Chaos or a Dark Oath book, but then be like, these are your eight different model sets. They all look completely yeah. different and nothing really ties them together apart from the fact that they're all chaos worshippers. Like and Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. It make it makes yeah. any sense. That's interesting. I didn't realise it was driven that much by like the pure design side of things. Yeah, I, I it is literally and he said that like I said multiple times to us in the room and obviously to me and us when we were speaking mm. to him personally. It is literally completely model driven. Wow. It is. It, they, it's not. Oh, we want a really cool unit. Can you go do this? Because mm. we've got these really cool rules mm. for it. It is literally whatever comes off that conveyor belt of <laughs> this is the new model that's going to come out in six months' yeah. time. Right. What we're going to do with it? And that's how, and that's even to the same when it comes to the battle tomes. Mm. They have mm. to do the battle tomes based on that as well. I oh, we've got a load of new units, <laughs> or we've got some end the spells yeah. that have been done yeah. for this uh, faction. Let's. Yeah, let's do a, a battle time update. It's yeah, it's really completely. I, I was surprised. Do you think it'd be almost <laughs> the other way around? It's like right, we've got this idea. Can you make some models for it? Yeah, it's, no, it's completely oh, it's, it's, the other the other way around. Because like a big thing for Games Workshop is they are known for the quality of their miniatures and like the quality of design, not just of like the actual sprues and stuff. And like I feel like making sure that the creative freedom for the actual models themselves is as open as possible is probably what's helped produce such like a good array of very different models across various ranges, as opposed to we had this idea and make some models for it, which could very much start restricting the ideas, I guess is how I would think of it at least. But, you know, they they know they can make whatever they want and everyone else will figure out how to jam it in. But, you know, they also know the framework they have to work in, you know, but like, I I I like the idea of that. They've got limitations. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's, it just shows that they're still a miniature first mm. company mm. that, that you know, and I'm not saying this in a literally a black and white mm-hmm. sense, but when it comes to the fact of things like, you know, where people get obsessed with like the meta and the rules mm. and the competitive side, that actually really is well down the pecking order. The thing they care most about is the miniatures. Mm. The other stuff comes afterwards. It isn't, it's not, like I said, it's not rules first or, you know, whatever, or law first even. It is purely, mid, you know, miniatures first and then you build around it. So it just shows that, and it, and it comes across when you, you're talking to them that it, everything, you know, that's why they, I think they focus so much on the narrative side of things mm. because that's the, you know, and it, and it's not just disregard that the, the, the competitive scene, because obviously that is a big part of this, of Warhammer, yeah, you know, yeah. that's, and that always will be, but I think from GW side, it isn't, or it, it's not as mm-hmm. much, you know, when you, if you were sort of, you know, weighing the scales of how, how things are important it is, yeah, miniatures, then probably law and then probably the, you know, the, the competitive side sort of at the end. So, but that was my interpretation mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, yeah, it was a really good, it was a really good Q and A. Like I said, it was, it, I mean, <laughs> you had some very specific questions. Oh, the first, the first question, I can't even remember remember what it was but uh this uh this guy basically threw a rules scenario to him like oh you know if this happens what would you expect and he was like, <laughs> he was just like wow i wasn't expecting that as the uh the question but most of it was about war mm. cry um one thing 
he obviously he did say, which has now come out, obviously is the the battle tome for every Grand Alliance. Um, you know, so so it's you know for the rest of this year, uh, there is going to be at least one yeah. battle tome for every yeah. Grand Alliance. So there's definitely at least four yeah. more battle tomes, but probably again, more. That was uh, um, he not did including Sulfnef, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's he categorically said that. So that so there's definitely Sylvaneth and at least one more nice. order battle tome coming, which is interesting. <laughs> and he did also say that they are planning in the future to do big battles, i.e., mm. apocalypse type battles for AOS. I think they've held off on it is primarily because obviously AOS is newer. Therefore, most not everyone's got these massive armies, whereas people that are into forty k, you know, could easily have ten thousand points mm. just around because they've been collecting it for 20 years so they they can do these big battles so but it's something they're going to do in the future um war cry was the main the main questions he had to yeah. answer um he, the, the, again key thing he said is it's like kill mm. team so you know when we we're like is it more like kill team is it more like necromunda or you know blah 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 it's like yeah. kill team so that he didn't say it's definitely you know it's not a, a carbon mm. copy, but it's very very much like Kill Team. Okay. So that's what yeah. to expect from Warcry. As in, he, he did say that that your you know your models, your warband is done not in the sense of like Underworlds mm. where you've got yeah. named characters. It's like again, very similar to you know Necro again, a bit like Kill Team. You know, you've got your you know your your intercessors. Yeah. Yeah. You've got your you know the, this unit, that unit. It's all they're not named mm. characters. They're just you know so many of this type of unit basically so uh yeah but we'll see i mean obviously he he was trying to be as tight-lipped as he could about it to be fair you can tell he was trying to <laughs> really tell what he could about it but obviously it's on you know it's very close to mm. coming now was it july it's looking like it's coming so nice. yeah that's all very mm. exciting um what else uh we talking of warhammer underworlds so i tried the online mm-hmm. version the mm-hmm. i played a pre-alpha of it for about nice. five ten minutes it's looking yeah. good actually I'm I'm quite impressed. So if you're into your you know your your Shade Spire and Night Vault and things like that, and you want to play it on the PC, um, they did say it's coming to early access in August. So it's only a few months mm-hmm. away, and it, yeah, it looks really. I you know it, it's basically Warhammer Underworlds, but on a mm. on a PC. They've streamlined it a bit, uh, but it primarily plays like the board game. So if that's your mm. thing, then jump on it. Wow. So there was actually, sorry, there was also a lot of the other video games that were there, but that was the sort of the primary one. Most of it is ones that were already out mm. and about, like Vermintide yeah. and, and Space Hulk and things like that. Um, so, yeah, there was also actually in that same section, we did a speed building Ooh. competition as well, yeah. which is quite interesting. So they put about, I think it's about eight, eight people to a table. So all of us were there, plus mm. obviously some strangers with us. And they basically chuck a load of terrain and, and spare bits on the table and obviously uh, clippers and glue and basically you just got to make a diorama mm. <laughs> between the lot of you um so we did that and you got a 20 minute time limit and then obviously a winner is announced uh and what was what, quite cool is you could actually keep what was oh, left nice. on the table so if there's any spare yeah. stuff you could just <laughs> everyone turned into <laughs> seagulls like, sweeping in like rah, 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 just grabbing everything it was mm, quite manic mm. uh it was that was that was a fun like i said a fun 20 minutes uh yeah i mean that was pretty much warmer fest i mean obviously you know what we saw because obviously it's all on the you know the community and obviously on social media mm. all the things that are that were revealed so it was but you know it's just nice to see it in the flesh and and i the one the very last thing i'll say about one fest from a on a personal level it was just done really mm. well in the sense it was all very it was organized it was very relaxed i don't know if that was just because we went on the sunday i the saturday would have seen mm. would have been a bit more manic but it, i think the best thing about it it was just very 
nice and calm and friendly atmosphere mm. everyone you know i I got to meet some listeners, which was fantastic. Nice, yeah. So hello to anyone that I met <laughs> there. And it was just good. You know, like it's just a nice, relaxed, mm. enjoyable mm. atmosphere where you could all just love Warhammer <laughs> in, over three floors. <laughs> Basically. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was really good. And I, I would, I would definitely be going back there next, next year. Awesome. So happy yeah. days. Uh, right. Let's actually talk about my hobby stuff. Uh, building. I've done some mm-hmm, more building. Mm-hmm. I'm on that corn train <laughs> going to Skull Station. So I, uh, I built some, uh, 10 blood letters the other week, um, which was a pain in the ass, if I'm being honest. Um, blood letters suffer from mold mm-hmm. lines like you wouldn't mm-hmm. believe. They have mold lines that have mold lines. It feels like, like you get rid of one, another one appears. It's, and you know, dealing with like their fingers and things like that is horrendous. But I got there. Mm. You know, you know what? I, I, you know, you know, my beef when I get angry with the, when I'm with my hobby stuff, when I'm struggling with stuff, I got there in the end. I just persevered and they're ready to be primed and contrast painted when they come out. So uh, I'm up to almost 500 points built. So I've got blood letters. I've got slaughter priest. I've got uh, Karanak and a unit of blood warriors Mm. all built, ready to be primed. And I'm going to carry on. Um, And also I built, which is, I know we're talking Mm -hmm. more, but I started building some riders of Mm -hmm. Rohan for obviously, because I'm going to be playing some, uh, middle earth yeah, yeah. soon um i was going to be playing some middle earth and aos skirmish with uh, my work colleague but that didn't happen mm. just because he's trying to move and so am <laughs> i <laughs> so uh, like you like yourself Cameron, mm. you know how that feels so we, we had to re- we're rearranging it but it will happen very soon uh buying wise uh while i was at warhammer fest i picked up a hardback copy of spear of the mm. emperor which is not yeah. out yet um, well, it's not up for pre-order mm. yet. That's the upcoming uh, novel by Aaron Dempsey Bowden mm. um, about the chapter, the you know Spears of the Emperor. Emperor. So that looks really cool. I've not touched it mm. yet. I've just bought it and ready for when we want to maybe potentially cover it. We'll see. Um, I picked up the paperback of Black yes. Pyramid. I'm going to be reading it yes. soon, Cameron. I know you love that book, <laughs> and I <laughs> want to get stuck into it at some point. So, yeah, again, I've not touched it yet, but I've I've got that ready. Uh, what else? I bought, I bought a few more AOS stuff, because I'm going to be hopefully playing, mm. obviously, some more AOS. Well, start playing some AOS shortly, I what I'm mm. building. Um, I had a really good run on eBay. <laughs> so, I picked up the Malign Sorcery book very yep. cheaply. Um, I picked up the older general's handbook um both of mm. them um i know obviously the points are irrelevant now but i just wanted like, yeah, the, the battle yeah. plans and things like that of them but i've you know i managed to pick them up for like a fiver so <laughs> i've got literally all the general handbooks nice. now yeah. uh and also the one thing i did pick up um which i'm really looking forward to putting together and probably the next thing i'll put together is my chaos lord on a manticore yeah. now i <laughs> this was my first choice purchase because mm. as of this recording i'm going to warhammer world in a couple of mm. days i know i know <laughs> you know i'm i'm having a proper warhammer month warhammer fest and warhammer world in the same month god you lucky <laughs> bastard so <laughs> yeah uh, i'm that was my first choice purchase i you know what i was looking on the website and i think right you know i'm on this chaos train at the moment i want to get something something a bit different mm. to obviously what's out there and i and this just this chaos lord on the manticore is just just reminds me of old school fantasy mm. i l- used to love 
the monsters. I used to love like, you know, when you saw like Carl Franz yeah, on the hippogriff yeah. and yeah. things like that. And I just thought, oh, he, and obviously it's website exclusives. So I thought oh, I can pick it up at Warhammer World. And Sod's Law, when I was looking for these general handbooks on eBay, somehow, you know, when it, on eBay, when it goes, oh, you, you know, you may like this. So I looked, clicked on it and there was someone was selling the Chaos Lord and Manticore, but for about two thirds nice. of the price. And I was like, then all, all that's missing is the box. And I thought, okay, I'll buy it now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not stupid. So I'll buy it now. And yeah, it's arrived a couple of days ago. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, my plan is as well, because the kit also comes with the Chaos Sorcerer because mm. you can have either yeah. the Sorcerer or the Lord on the Manticore. I'm going to put the Sorcerer on nice. a horse um, as a separate unit. I just need to get a hold of a horse, <laughs> uh, which I will find <laughs> in due course. So, uh, and yeah, like I said, I'm going to Warhammer World. So no doubt spending more money and it's, and it'll be birthday money because it's my birthday coming up. Hence why I'm going there. Mm. So I will probably be buying stuff that I shouldn't, <laughs> but I, I will because I like Warhammer. Exactly. I'm allowed. I'm allowed. You know, I'm 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 getting older. I'm allowed to. <laughs> um, and lastly, reading wise, I read or listened to the Berry Dagger for the nice. second time, obviously because yep. we're covering it this episode. Um, I spare at the moment. I read the Bone Desert, which is one of the uh, novellas mm. in that you know series of ten novellas. Have you read this one? I can't remember. If you uh, I have not yet. I'm going to. <laughs> okay, okay. It's um, it's by good friend of the show robbie mm-hmm. mcniven obviously you know one of one of our favorite authors <laughs> and uh it's very good actually um it's based on it's a, a got trek mm. novel or novella and it basically if you have listened to the audio drama realm slayer which is one that obviously that was done by uh brian blessed it's basically a continuation of that but just obviously in a little short yeah. novella it's oh, very yeah. good you know, I uh, you don't have to listen to Realm Slayer, but it helps, I suppose, like anything. Mm. Um, it's good. I mean, you've got, like I said, you've got got Trek, you've got his team. Well, it's not really spoiling it because you'll you'll <laughs> spot yeah, it straight yeah. away. But he's basically with the daughter nice, of Cain, nice. and he's having to deal with like Caradron mm. overlords and you know assassins, and it's just cool. It's just, and the thing is, when you read it after, if you've listened to Realm Slayer mm. and obviously Brian Blessed, you will. When you you know when you read this novella, you will be literally reading it in Brian Blessed's voice. I guarantee it because that's what I did. <laughs> you just you just can't help mm. yourself. Uh, but no, it's very good, very very good novella. And lastly, I am about almost halfway through the Solar War of you know mm. the first of the Siege of Terror novels. Um, unfortunately, I've been listening to it in fits and spurts this week at work, and I'm I'm going to have to listen to it a second mm. time. I'm going to carry mm. on. You know, okay, I'll continue to, and then I'm going to probably re- listen to it again because, like, uh, things aren't, you know, it's a bit bitty yeah. because I've, I'm not, you know, re- doing it in a in one proper mm. sort of listening. So I, uh, but so far it's been enjoyable. Um, I, I, I just need to do it a second time, I think, to have a better opinion yeah. on it. I yeah. think so. So, uh, so yeah, I've, that's been my awesome. hobby stuff. Warhammer Fest, building some blood letters and getting some mm. books. So yeah, been fairly active. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously next episode I'll tell you what. Things I've bought. Yeah. So yeah, that's been very cool. Um, right. Okay. Well, we have had quite a decent <laughs> hobby section then, so we'll definitely take our first break, um, and we'll carry on that Warhammer train and that Warhammer Fest train um, when we talk about the news shortly. Back soon. Hello and welcome back, everyone. Time to get stuck into. 
a lot of news. And like we said earlier, we're going to be obviously covering a lot of stuff from Warhammer Fest. Well, pretty much everything from Warhammer Fest and anything else mm. that's happened since. As you know, again, if you listened to the last episode, we started gushing in excitement <laughs> and, uh, as stuff has been revealed. So like I said, we'll do this in a very methodical way. Now we can properly absorb. Now, you know, we've had time to absorb it all. So we'll mm. properly do it now. So uh, we'll do it by game so we'll start with the 40k stuff then aos and then obviously get on to all the other stuff as well so right let's start with 40k and Mm -hmm. let's start with the chaos knights codex something that we were (laughs) quite shocked about we were like oh yeah okay i wasn't expecting this so yeah you're very excited cameron aren't you yes i am incredibly excited mostly because hey chaos knights knights in general are cool chaos knights are extremely so (laughs) <laughs> and then these just look ridiculous. Oh my god. Like, it's a very good plastic kit. It's a very good plastic kit. It's got all these cool details. I love, like, the um the spikes coming out of the carapace with the chains running between them and stuff like that. Oh my god. They're so good. <laughs> <laughs> they are. And like I said, I saw them in the flesh or in the metal. The fleshy mm. metal at uh, uh, Warhammer Fest, and they look gorgeous. I, I, I'll be honest, to be honest. I think they look better than normal knights. To be mm. honest, I think they oh, look yeah. even better. Uh, it's those those backward knees. The, mm. the you know the actual faces look better. I think. Uh, yeah. But what I did what I did notice, um, which is really what I thought was really nice, is they're not again similar to what we've seen with like the the recent stuff like with Shadow Spear and Abad- Abaddon and things mm. like that. They're chaos, but not silly chaos. They're not like yeah. over the top yeah. chaos. It's You can clearly see it's a chaos knight, but it's not like let's have million skulls <laughs> and spikes just because it's sort of, you have a bit yeah. of it, but it's like, yeah. no, no, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's chilled. <laughs> it's like, mm. you know, you can, you can clearly see what it is. So it, no, it's, it, it looks yeah. great. It's not Absolutely. over the top. Well, like, yeah, because so. I could see taking one of these kits to make a loyalist knight like just changing out the armor panels with a regular Chaos Questorus kit would probably mm-hmm. and not Chaos Chaos Questorus normal normal Questorus knight kit, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you could also make some more recently turned Renegade knights by taking one of these and mixing it with a regular knight kit to make two knights. I reckon yep. as well as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, I believe so because yeah. it looks like everything should match up size wise. Honestly, mm-hmm. like all the shoulder pads are the same, the carapace looks the same size all that kind of stuff it's exciting times <laughs> it really is yeah they i mean i don't think we obviously got a a release date at this point but no. i imagine they're not probably that far away um because mm. obviously i suppose mm. from from the uh 40k side obviously when it comes to codexes they've sort of pretty much there aren't they you know after yeah. like gene steeler cults and things come out there you know mm. there's not much left to come apart from obviously sisters of battle so this i imagine will be the next you know next 40k yeah. release yeah, of sorts so i wouldn't be surprised to see what then what they're doing is the like i said there's two kits as far as i can see which is mm-hmm. the the night rampager and the night despoiler yep so yep. very chaosy names as appropriate mm-hmm. so yeah you know it's i i think like i said what surprised us is the fact that obviously the if boy to me it feels like the index renegade knights has not been out that long and i know obviously mm. an index is always a bit of a filler until but it because obviously it came out sort of out of the blue as well the index didn't it from memory because mm. obviously Imperial, yeah. the you know we had the the imperial knights codex and then obviously 
there's a sort of a bit of generosity that oh we, we've done a we've done a free index yeah, to download yeah. and like oh thanks very much you know and the, and you thought to me I well I personally did I thought they would just leave it there and go well okay mm. that's chaos night sorted but i suppose obviously chaos is having a bigger push now obviously like we were just saying with all the the new chaos marines and things that are coming out so i suppose they thought well it's only fair that these you know get mm. uh, a bit more bit more love so no i think it's yeah. a it's a lovely surprise <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so actually talking of um sisters of battle um oh. they've shown off the the first painted <laughs> One, um, obviously, they showed off mm. the this model. Was it, it was last Warhammer Fest, I believe? Yeah, right? or yeah. Give or take. Year ago. Um, yeah, mm. and now they've shown off that same model because um, I think it was more. Well, the one that they showed off like a year ago was it was almost like a three D yeah, picture of it, as such, concept where, render or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, and and now they've actually obviously turned it into a model and painted it. And oh my god, she looks so good. <laughs> she <laughs> is brilliant. <laughs> Oh man, if this is going to be what they're like, sign me up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they look amazing. God. Just that so. base is so ridiculously ornate as well. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of hope that the base is separate to the model and they just sell a, like, Imperial Basilica basing set or something. Cause I want to yeah, see, like, may do. I want to see, what is it? The, um, the Sons of the Phoenix Primaris Marines on these bases, I think would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Or whatever they're called. Yeah, the ones that are totally. Sons of Dawn, uh, 100%. Oh, this, uh, was it Sons of the Phoenix, isn't it? Sons of the Phoenix, I think is the name. Yeah, you, you, yeah. the Primaris Marines that are very clearly Empress children. Yeah, the, I think the white look and purple amazing ones. On these. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, Sons yeah, of yeah, the yeah. Phoenix, isn't it? Yeah, with the candles mm. on the back and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they... Yeah, I mean, I mean, this and what the great thing about this model is, this is one that's going to be an advanced model, isn't it? It's going to yes. be available mm. before the rest of it. So, so I'm going to uh, buy I, that. <laughs> exactly. I think we're that all is going, <laughs> Exactly. That is going to sell like imperial hotcakes. It really mm. is. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, right. What's next? We've got obviously again they something they showed off that we spoke about last episode, which was the mm. new Admech transport. Um, oh my god. So which cool. is polar polarizing opinions. Now, obviously, oh, yeah. it. It's, you know, for anyone that hasn't seen mm. it, it looks very similar to the World War Two D-Day type landers on the beach, you know, but mm. just obviously a Skatari version of it. Um, so, yeah, so what's your take on it, Cameron? I really, really like it. Uh, for <clears throat> I think this is the most popular argument for it. It is exactly what the Adeptus Mechanicus would do <laughs> for yeah. a transport problem. It's like... We won't do anything with wheels. Wheels are practical. We won't do anything with legs. We already have things with legs. We have <laughs> hovercraft with anti-gravity technology. Nah, nah, we'll make a hovercraft that works off air power. <laughs> 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 Just big and flavor. It's so dumb. It's so perfectly Adeptus Mechanicus. I actually really like the, the historical-ish design of it, especially the transport version. Because there are, there are the two versions. Is the Scorpius Dune Rider is the transport, and the Scorpius Disintegrator is just a, a floating tank with a big gun on top and some missiles in front. They both look pretty cool. Uh, I love, I like the, the Dune Rider better, the transport one. I especially like it because someone did a pretty good Photoshop of it as a Death Corps of Krieg vehicle. And oh, nice. It looks perfect. Like you just replace the crew and paint it khaki. And it is the perfect Death Corps of Krieg, like, personnel vehicle. Like, I'm, mm. I'm sure we're going to see a half dozen of those popping up in real life. <laughs> yeah. All over the place. Everyone goes, oh, that's amazing. And like, yeah. Just, uh, just uses a Torox, I guess you could. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, you totally do something. And then, I don't know, I kind of really like it. 
for for its weirdness. Like again, it's it's a D Day lander, but it's also like got part of a Rhino chassis slapped in there. It's got this weird jutting prow if you build it as the actual tank version. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people say, and I I rightfully understand that criticism. It looks like a mess, and it looks like it doesn't work. And I'm like, yes, that's why it's good. <laughs> yeah, I. I, 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 that's what I mean. I, I, I suppose that I can, I can see where people are coming from. I, again, like you, I personally really like it. I think it's really novel. And I think that to me, if you collect or are a fan of AdMech, without sounding funny, this is what to me you should expect. This is mm. what they're like. This, I mean, look at look at Castle and Robots for God's oh sake. God. They look like nineteen fifties robots. So, 50s, so yeah. it's you know, like it, to me, it. I wouldn't, I was not surprised by this at all. Like I said, mm. if you had to do an AdMech tank or transport, yes, this is exactly what it would look like. So I think, you know, if you want to get into AdMech, you have to accept that they go, are going to look impractical and mm. are going to look a bit old school, you know, but that's just <laughs> what they do. I mean, that's just, but I think that's the charm of them. So, mm. oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's great because the fact that, again, it's sort of come out of the, out of nowhere, really. Yeah. You know, again, AdMech yeah. haven't really had any, real attention you know in particular mm. times as such i know we had obviously forge bane uh over a year ago but yeah that was just obviously just a box set so it's nice that again they've just got here you go here's a new transport and mm. and you can tell it's off the back of what i was saying earlier where it's miniatures first someone mm. has thought i really want to build an admech transport and they go <laughs> okay yeah crack on and they built it and they're like oh okay we'll add it to their range here you mm. go so happy days yeah. Um, and, and obviously, continuing on the the vehicle uh, <laughs> topic, uh, Primaris have obviously now got a new repulsor, the Repulsor yep. Executor, um, yep. which looks just weapons for weapons. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's got so much, <laughs> so much to it. God, um, I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not as sold on this because I suppose mm. I'm not. I've, I'm the, the 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 regular Repulsor is a bit. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I've never. I'm not. I've never been sold on the repulsor. I think it's the shape mm. of it. I love the okay. turret. I think the turret yeah. and the guns are fantastic. I think it's mm. the 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 shape. It feels like a predator that's sort of been squashed a bit, and <laughs> you know, sort of tightened up. I mean, I, lo- I love mm. the back of it. If I'm being honest, I like where the, yeah. you know, the. Uh, but I, hmm, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Um, the normal repulsor, I I'm okay with. For me, for me, the normal repulsor was kind of overkill with how many guns it had. Um, yeah, just from true. a visual standpoint, it was like it was bristling in every direction. Uh, this one is even more so, but the turret is so <laughs> much broader and flatter that it looks. I feel I I really am not a huge fan of the repulsor executioner. Um, mostly mm-hmm. because I think it would look best as like part of a siege wall, as like a piece of terrain. Because like that yeah, would be like a, a great. A, that would be a great weapon bastion as part of like a fortification. Mm. It doesn't look like it should be floating slowly and menacingly towards me. Um, no, uh, I, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. Mm. I think, and also, I, I'd say is that it doesn't feel very Primaris because everything Primaris mm. is very uh, simple. You know, in the sense that mm. you know every unit is very much well. This was like normal, like Space Marines in general. They're like, right, you're a Hell Blaster. You have a yeah. plasma gun. There you go. That's it. You know, it's quite mm. simple. Is this for something that, you know, for a very, you know, Primaris are very streamlined, uh, you know, f- well, I say faction, but obviously just <laughs> a type of Marine. This seems very 
over the top and this yeah. this seems more admech than anything. I know you could yeah. argue because obviously call you know Belisarius Call has designed this and go oh this is why, but he just <laughs> I don't know it just doesn't seem to suit Primaris. It seems a bit too yeah over the top yeah you know a bit, I mean bit, that, a bit all over the place that yeah that that does come with a caveat because they've shown two builds of it which is one with this big cannon and the other one with a macro incinerator plasma cannon or whatever the mm-hmm. uh, the dreadnought has. I really like the one with the plasma cannon because that one they don't have the six extra little missile pods strapped all over the top of the thing and it yeah. actually looks way less cluttered. Like that one I don't actually mind too much. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the one with the it looks like a big uh, like a macro las cannon or something mm-hmm. turret something and like it's got all these little missile pods everywhere and I'm like that's just a little too much clutter for oh, me it's, personally. It's, it's, it's called the heavy laser destroyer. Heavy it's laser the last destroyer. cannons Big meaner cousin. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm. I mean, I'm never going to get one anyway. <laughs> at this point, no. Uh, same here. No. Yeah. I mean, like, I I don't mind it, but I feel like Primera should get another floating tank, but it should be even bigger. <laughs> um, mm. I know the Astraeus exists for dwell. Don't get mad at me, but like, even bigger, <laughs> but less guns. Just just give me a big open topped boat that I can put forty Primaris Marines in. <laughs> I think that would yeah. actually be really interesting. Have have the Admec transport, but upscaled for primary yeah. planes. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, again, I'm sure there's people that are going to are really loving it, and oh, that's yeah. good. You know, so you know, I mean, it's not. I don't mean it's a. It, it's bad that it exists. It's just. No, I no. suppose not for not for I, us. <laughs> no, exactly. So no, but fair play, it's there. Um, and the, sort of the last main thing from the 40k side is obviously they've shown off more about uh, Apocalypse, which is obviously mm-hmm. the the way you can play your huge massive pointed games um yeah you know they've shown off the box set the the dice the cards is d12s in there isn't there is it yeah there's a whole there's a whole whack of d12s and token and also a whole bunch of token sheets yeah yeah Yeah. Um, i mean it's an i mean this obviously it it will be for a certain clientele oh yeah (laughs) this this game anyway this is obviously not i mean i suppose it's similar to when we spoke about urban conquest it's Mm. not going to be for everyone it's for but you know if you've got a lot of models and you want to play big games Mm. you know this is gonna be the way you can do it yeah so good (laughs) (laughs) right switching up to aos uh side of things um this was funny i because did you feel because i know certain certain lot of people did did you feel the aos side uh, in general from wamafest was a bit underwhelming i don't feel it was underwhelming personally because i really liked everything that was shown i feel what a lot of people are kind of trying to put their hands on in terms of how they feel about it is that it was not much in comparison (laughs) Because we saw a whole ton of stuff for Horus Heresy. We saw a ton of really exciting things for 40k. A ton of really mm. exciting technical side of things with all the contrast paints and stuff. And then Age of Sigmar is like, here's these three things in a teaser. And like... <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I feel coming off last year as well, especially, where Warhammer Fest was Warhammer Fest brackets Age of Sigmar. <laughs> because... Yeah, true. We, we had the exact true. opposite last year. We had a couple of 40k things shown off, a couple of Horus Heresy things, and the entire show was basically dedicated to Soul Wars. Like, mm, that that was yeah. the crux of that event. Um, it's just... the f- I feel it's the flow of things. It's different focus this year. 
Yeah, there's Ali. I mean, I, th- I suppose to be fair to AOS, it's, it's come on leaps and bounds since Soul Wars, oh, yeah. especially. And obviously, they're throwing out battle tomes like nobody's business at <laughs> yeah. the moment. So, I think I think the problem is the expectation for the AOS reveal was a bit higher than it should it should yeah. have been. You know, because let's be honest, there's probably there's few of us that are thinking, oh, it's finally we're going to see light and shadow elves, oh, and, God, uh, you know, and stuff like that. And and so I think, in, like I said, if you put away that needless hype it was actually a very good reveal it's mm. just that i think mm. people probably got their expectations up a bit higher because of like you said because of previous years but you know that's the way it goes isn't it um so yeah so they obviously they've revealed uh general's handbook 2019 um one thing i did read online actually i mean i don't i there was, I was it was on the uh, the tga forum where someone had said that it's definitely coming i'm um, coming out on the the 15th of june mm. um i don't know what that was be- like these because yeah. i think basically what what this person had done is revealed all the or did a summary of all the re- releases that are, that have been confirmed for this year both from yeah. 40k and aos and things and uh and, and obviously with 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 the uh, dates if applicable or, or yeah. a month you know oh, this is coming out in july blah 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 whereas this definitely had a date next to it, it was like 15th of june like it was almost mm. like set in stone and i've not really read that anywhere but I would. Hmm. It wouldn't surprise me. That no, sounds. It'd be about the right time, you know. <laughs> you know, and I, I think one the one thing I really like that they've done, which I think is a great thing, is the fact they've separated the points out and the battle profiles. Mm. So now what you can do is you don't have if you just want the points, yeah, you can buy the points booklet or book. Mm. Whereas if you want, you know, the, the, the you know with the whole things like with the you know the battle plans and and things like that, you buy the general's handbook. I think that's quite a sensible. Yeah, thing to do, yeah. you know, because there's people that probably don't really want that all that extra. They just mm. like give me my points. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's very good. Yeah, very good indeed. Good. Um, and hey, you know, the Warcry keeps looking really cool. Is all I'm going to say on this one because these guys, uh, the Splintered Fang, look really great. Putting mm. that out there, I yep. love, I love their aesthetic. <laughs> well, we were sort of right, weren't we, when we were saying mm. that that um, silhouetted figure that. We was, that was shown off when we were recording last time that mm. obviously we were sort of suspecting it may be a war cry yeah. character yeah. and obviously it turns out to be um, it's very I, I, I think this is the one I like the most out of the ones they've shown mm. so far I'm, I'm really excited that like I said you've got a chaos elf in there yeah that's really um, cool because like we haven't had legitimate chaos elves in a long time actually no like there, no, there was there was the pleasure cult back in Warhammer Fantasy Battle, but the emphasis on that kind of kept getting drawn back over the editions, and then you know Warhammer Fantasy Battle blew up, uh, and it's really not been mentioned <laughs> since. But you know, uh, here's our first confirmation: Hey, elves do still fall to chaos. Who knows what's coming? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which make makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's mm. I, no again. I I think these these miniatures look absolutely fantastic, and. And obviously, it shows now that they're what about halfway through revealing because I think there's six chaos warbands. It's six, I, I think, think. So six or seven, so, might be seven. Yeah, so because yeah, so we're three. We're three. Yeah, three. it's because they're meant to be one for each realm. Obviously, there isn't one for Azir, so I think it should no. be seven. <laughs> yeah, be no, seven. you could be right. Yeah, you could be right. Um, Who knows? <laughs> so yeah, like I said, and like I said, it's looking to be July that mm. is due to come out. So, and they also did again going back to the aos q a session they mm-hmm. they did basically without they basically said that there's going to be a starter set very similar to yeah. kill team oh. so there'll be one we will it will come with terrain oh. and obviously a couple of of war bands yeah. so yeah they yeah so be prepared for a kill team <laughs> type starter set 
so that's all very exciting. Um, and also they did show off, well, a sort of show off. They've obviously revealed there's going to be a season three of Warhammer Underworld. Mm-hmm. So obviously to follow Shadespire and then obviously Night Vault, there is going to be a, a third mm-hmm. you know, selection of war bands. And obviously I'm assuming there's going to be a new starter set to go with that as well. So, you know, yep. if you like Warhammer Underworlds, yep. that's all very yep. exciting as well. I am um, and interested in the tease they did for that, though, because mm. it's here's a member of a new warband. We don't know what faction they're from, and it's a little lion, and he's got some clothes mm. on and a little a little circlet thing on his head, and mm. he looks, I would say, very traditional high elf, which is yeah. confusing because yeah. I mean, if he's if he's from a light elf's team. That's exciting because it means they're going to integrate probably all the old high elf stuff. Because if this is going to be their aesthetic, the old stuff will match in very well. But if he's yep. not part of a light elf team, I guess he'd be part of an eldritch council specific team, which yeah. is which yeah, maybe could or like a line ranger team or something like. Basically, mm. at least to me, this really emphasizes there's going to be something coming up relatively soon with elves, which might be the final. Yeah order battle tome of the year or whatever um mm. it could be anything it could be wanderers it could be old high elves it could be new light elves who knows it's pretty exciting actually for such yeah, a weird looking i'd cat. say so <laughs> well let's be honest they they've done it for a reason that they, they've mm. just thrown that in there because obviously you know from one more underworlds all they've shown off is just like i said a silhouette of the you know of what the name yeah, of the third season is going to be so you know, it's just odd that, like I said, they've gone, oh, by the way, wink, look at this lion. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. sort of thinking, hang on, you, you, you've, I think there's, like you said, there's more to that. I think there's definitely something coming. And so hopefully we're not needlessly hyping ourselves up. <laughs> well, we say that every time. <laughs> we, I know, I know, we're terrible, aren't we? Mm. <laughs> so, right, let's move on to the Horus Heresy stuff, mm-hmm. um, which again was very good. Um, so we'll start off with the Demon Brutes. So obviously, this, you know, it's to tie in with, obviously, from the heresy point of view, this is when, you know, they first started dealing with demons. Mm. And now these demons, again, have been quite polarizing mm. from what I understand, mm. um, like as in the actual design. Yeah. Because I think, were you a bit not so keen on them um, in memory? Or they, they, have, they have grown on me over the last couple of weeks, but I'm still not a massive fan. To me, I don't know, because these are unaligned demons, which is very cool. We haven't actually had any new unaligned demons since the original Fury models, I'm pretty sure. Um, although we know we are getting new Furies with Warcry. Um, mm-hmm. So they're unaligned, which is cool, but they really... they I, I like them better than when I first saw them, but they still don't look very Warhammer to me, because they seem, they seem kind of generic. They're just big hulking, very covered in spikes and horns demons with big, slabby weapons. And they really actually remind me of, like, creature caster miniatures, which is kind of more in that style. It doesn't feel like they're sort of grounded in 40k in any way. Uh, Which, I mean, they are 30k minis, technically. But, like, I don't know, like, I, I saw, like, photos people took from the events where there were render previews of like other ones there was one that's like you know here's a big winged one killing a space marine that one actually looked good and i think it's just that Mm. dissonance between seeing these things completely out of context of the rest of the universe like if i saw them on a table fighting you know an imperial fist army in 30k that might make more sense to my brain (laughs) but 
Yeah. As they stand, they seem to just not kind of have the... It's If I look at a Warhammer product, I can usually look at it, and even if I don't know what it is, I can go, that's a Citadel miniature in the Warhammer, fran- in the Warhammer 40k franchise, or the Age of Sigma franchise, whatever. It, there's that style that's instantly recognizable that doesn't seem to be there mm. for me, at the very least. Um, I'm pretty yeah. sure you liked okay. them, though, if I remember your reaction. Yeah, correctly. no, I, I, re- I was... Yeah, I did actually. <laughs> I think they're actually they're some of my favourite demon models, which is you know, obviously quite different to how you feel. Um, I, I don't know. I I suppose what's helping me, mm. and and I don't mean this in uh, disrespect, but the the Forge World painting mm. can be a bit debatable at times. Yeah. it's not you know compared to the the Games Workshops I do generally get their their sort of painting on point. The the Forge World can be a bit hit and miss to be honest. And mm. I I just love the paint scheme on this. I think it's made it look even better for me mm. um i get where you're coming from though i can mm-hmm. see where they could come across as being from a you know something that isn't citadel mm. um i just really like them i uh, i can't say any more than that really. i just think this is something about them i just think mm. is really cool I just um, think and i just think it's yeah yeah I, th- I can't you know i what what i what i like about them i can't really say in particular i just think mm. they just they look very cool I I don't know. I suppose maybe because I'm obviously been working on demons recently and hoping I get bloodthirsty <laughs> for my birthday. Yeah. And I um, I, <laughs> I hope that um, you know this is something that you know could be used in other things. Really, I don't know. Mm. I just I, yeah. I'm just put it down to basics. I just really like them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right. And then they shown off something that is i'm sure going to be very expensive which is the <laughs> legio custodes uh, arius uh, gunship mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. Cause obviously they need more vehicles to go with all the other expensive ones that they've got yeah, yeah. um <laughs> this i'm not actually very keen on i love custodes mm. but i'm mm. not actually keen on this to be honest i mean i think it's fine i think it would look better if they put it on a flight stand instead of letting it sit down on the base which i think they only did yeah. for the photograph like i feel like it should be at least up off the ground if it's a gunship mm. um yeah. although i would find it hilarious if you flipped this over and it's actually got like a little three-wheel setup on the bottom and it's actually just a big tricycle <laughs> with a custodian <laughs> in the middle pedaling away or something that would be actually pretty good <laughs> <laughs> it's like the flintstones yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah no I, I i definitely get where you're coming from it doesn't immediately grab me visually it, i mean it's very clearly a custodian's thing but yeah. it might actually be the paint yeah, scheme d- for me because it's all like dirtied up in this one. Mm. Yeah. I I think you could be right, actually. I, I, that That's making it very, mm. yeah, almost quite depressing, this, <laughs> this one. In Where's that my sense. shining I, which gold? You know, <laughs> well yeah that's what custodies are about i i just think it's just it's just boring mm. i think if i'm being honest mm. i think it's just quite a boring design and for a gunship it doesn't have many guns um at least that we can see I, unless those big well, red yeah, things true. are actually guns which i would <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i think maybe, they're me- yeah, i'm pretty sure they're meant to be the engines but they could also just be you know like a giant <laughs> missile who knows <laughs> yeah i i, I, sw- I th- to be fair if you look at the other uh, like their grav tanks mm. and things that they've got they they have that same sort of design yeah, it's just part yeah. of their sort of aesthetic really um yeah i i, I mean it's a shame because i i love the custodies forge world stuff i mm. love their dreadnoughts for example oh, they yeah. do some awesome like the telemon and things like that but i don't know just it's a bit i don't know it's similar to with with you with the, de- mm. the demons we we're just talking about it's like yeah okay yeah. i mean yeah. to be honest i'm never gonna own one then <laughs> it'd be need a mortgage to probably pay mm. for you know <laughs> to uh, pay for that as opposed uh mm, something everyone should own though it's 
It's only the Contemptor in Candius class Dreadnought, a Dreadnought with a single use jump pack. Oh boy. Yes. God, this looks so good, this actually. Is- <laughs> it looks so good. I was going to say. I was going to say it's so 40k, but in oh, theory yeah. it's so 30k. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's lush. Oh, <laughs> I think it's great. It's I just awesome. think it's something awesome about it. Yeah. yeah. Like, just the, the longer clawed siege claws or whatever it is, the, the contemptor close combat weapons with, it looks like assault cannons in, inside the fist as well, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. like, the, the etching work on the front where it's got that very stylized blood, uh, blood angels logo and, like, the scroll work mm-hmm. on the sides and stuff. And just, like, the thing is, I've built a Forge World Contemptor, and I know that they haven't even done anything too special to, like, the legs to set up like this. They've just posed the legs well when they've built it. But the fact that Mm -hmm. it's, like, leaning in, and then it's just got this big lumpy jump pack sort of bolted onto the back is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's great. Yeah, I I want one. I want to put uh, Dante in it. <laughs> Let <Yeah>. him be. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, I, I I love it. I think it's fantastic. I know that again, there'll be probably people out there that are probably not that keen on it because obviously, mm. like jump pack on a dreadnought. But I just love that. I think oh yeah, that's so that's so metal. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's, I just love the design on it. I love the mm. like the front of it. I mm. think the the sort of little sort of hood over yeah. the, the sort of helmet and just just the intricate design of the front of it i think it's just a gorgeous looking miniature and it'll be interesting to see if they end up doing any 40k rules for this as well because well, they it's you know, so blood angels yeah well exactly so and i i think this is one thing i do like about the heresy stuff they do have some really cool units mm. you know even more so than some of the 40k ones oh, i yeah. think god these they you know i know they did it with the custodies where obviously they've Mm. released a whole you know set of beta rules so you could play it in in 40k but i think yeah it's just (laughs) when you combine the two between 40 and 30 you Mm. get some awesome stuff um so yeah then obviously they've shown off now some obviously the white scar stuff that's coming obviously they they did show off or sorry not show off they have released recently some white scar stuff i think it's out probably today actually yeah. think, like the praetor and their their version of the contemptor mm. and they've shown off their uh their land speeders um, yeah well they're what they called these uh the the Kazan was it the Kazagan assault speed. yeah yeah and the assault speeders jet bikes which are also cool mm-hmm yep 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 which is the the golden heshig mm. if i pronounce that yeah. right yeah that's the jet bikes and then the assault speeder yeah, yeah. again very white scars oh yeah it's very appropriate <laughs> and also it, you know, I know it's leading on to when we talk about contrast paints, but I think there's a good chance that people will be able to paint white scars to a reasonable easier. degree now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you may see a lot more white scars mm. players, which would be so, cool, especially with these new models. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're yeah. also yeah. we're also getting some uh, more white scars stuff, which is really cool. Which is um, the white scars elite Terminator unit, mm. uh, which. They haven't got the name in this article for some reason. No, I don't. Forget the name. Yeah, I was surprised at that. No, there isn't a name. Yeah, no, it's great. So I think the idea is essentially a white scar who wants to earn glory or wants to atone for something they've done wrong gets put in a set of Tartarus armor, handed a big two-armed pole axe, basically, a big glaive, and (laughs) said, go go for it. If you live through the battle, you're you're cool. (laughs) And (laughs) these are really great. They almost look like black Templars, just because the paint scheme is black with white shoulder pads. But they're awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're gorgeous. <laughs> I must admit, I do like some of these elite units they do. I like, mm. I, was it the Death Sworn? Yeah. The, the Space yeah. Wolves ones that we saw? Again, gorgeous. And I, I think this is, an, again, another example where they've got quite a simple design, but it's just done mm. really well. Mm. <laughs> they, just, they just look, yeah, lovely. 
So, um, yeah, and they also showed off some of the other stuff that we've seen before, yeah. like the, um, the what's his name, the, the, the Blood Angels first chapter master after yeah. Sanguinius, what is it? Uh, Ralderon. Ralderon. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you and obviously that uh, huge uh, titan that we saw yeah, a while back, knights. which I forgot the name of. It's one of the knight <laughs> Porphyrian something or other or something like that. Yeah. It's a very big knight with two weird guns strapped to it yeah I, I do love the helmet mm-hmm. on it the uh the head unit yeah where it's just very clearly a big big skull with a whole bunch of bionic enhancements <laughs> yeah. strapped on which is pretty good <laughs> exactly um and they showed off some dark angel stuff as well yes. didn't they? i believe on the second day so scroll all the way back up to the top of the article <laughs> yeah i was gonna say we're <laughs> scrolling um, the music do, do, yeah do, do, do. <laughs> I, now the thing is i really hope this uh dark angel stuff is the precursor to us getting the lion soon because that would be very mm, cool yes please. See him, but effectively it's the two praetorians or praetors i should say oh, the yes. one in terminator with a power sword and a volkite blaster and one in power armor with it looks like a storm shield power sword which is cool mm. good combo mm-hmm. uh the leviathan dreadnought looks great Nice big, nice big box covered in iconography, and the Contemptor Dreadnought, which is incredible because it has melting candles around the hood. Yeah, which is oh, and it's it, it's got also that um, weapon that oh, I've got the name Twin of it. Twin Volkite Caliber or something like that. Yeah, because yeah. you, you see them on some of the some of the custodies, some mm. of the Forge World mm. custodies units. Again, they're sort of they're they're the Forge World Terminators. Yeah. Uh, which I again I can't remember the name of, but they have similar weapons and they look amazing. Yeah, I'd, I'd, this Dark Angel stuff looks absolutely fantastic. Yes. That Praetor in the Terminator oh armor, my god, oh, he's so cool. He'd make amazing. an amazing like captain for 40k as well. Yeah, just saying, get on it, get on it. It looks so good. <laughs> oh man, yes. And the um, the last of the heresy stuff is that they showed off some of their armager mm. armager type. Uh, type knights that are sort of well, I don't know what they're doing with that. They because uh, also they mention the Dark Mechanicum and then obviously yeah. they just say these new Mechanicum knights. I mean, they look mm. uh, imperial, but you know yeah. they're quite interesting actually. Yeah. I mean, they they look, I think they look actually be- arguably better than the normal mm. Armagers to be honest. Yeah, I really like very the different helmet options. There's one with like a little knight style helmet. I think it's the second picture, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, second and third pictures it has like a knight style helmet, but then. I realized that there seem to be a bunch of weapon options with this one, which hopefully ports over to 40k eventually. But like, there's the like the twin electro guns, whatever they are, uh, the big siege claw. That's really weird. I love that weird like the three crescent moon finger siege claw thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big a big volkite gun as well. They can get and then a couple of we- different lance weapons, which I have no idea what they are. Because uh, I have no idea what Mechanicus weapons are, just by sight. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, very good indeed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so again, if you're a Heresy player, you have probably, hopefully, seen something you really like the look of. <laughs> mm, absolutely. <laughs> right. Okay. So we'll finish up with the the other section. Mm-hmm. So right. Okay. Let's talk about the big one. Yep. Obviously, probably the, the arguably the most exciting thing that oh. came out of Warhammer Fest. Yeah. Which is obviously clearly the Blood Bowl stuff. <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking. It's the no, no offense to Blood Bowl. Uh, no, the contrast paint. Yes. So, yeah, this was obviously. This feels weird, doesn't it? That, yeah. that of all the things that we were hoping for. Yeah. That it's funny, and this is the same when I and the other guys were personally there at Warhammer Fest. Is 
every, you, know, you look at all these really cool stuff, mm. uh, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. And then you still come back to contrast. Oh, yeah. That was still the dominating thing because, and what they did, like I mentioned earlier, is the fact that everyone had their, their own models, mm. or a selection of models that they'd done in contrast, but you couldn't escape it. Oh, yeah. They were pushing it so much. <laughs> and I, I can see why. So, so yeah. Um, after using it firsthand, I, like I said earlier, I am extremely excited about this. Mm. Um, uh, the sort of the quick rundown is I would say, if you've got units like that are very uh, got a lot of flesh on them, a lot of skin, a lot of scales, things like that, so Seraphon, Tyranids, mm. uh, Chaos Demons, yeah. things like that, you're they're, they're purpose built for contrast. <laughs> they they are really going to love using contrast paint. Uh, again, that's not to say that, like for example, stuff with armor, stuff like Stormcast, for example, isn't going to look good in contrast. Because mm. again, what we saw, it looks it looks great. It just it it's just more it seems more suitable yeah, in yeah. my opinion to those you know like i said when when you looked at the seraphon there um, it they looked fantastic or but to be fair like the death guard mm. there looked great because obviously where all the colors are intermingled with each other they even d- had done a martarian oh, in just purely contrast paint and it looked mm. really good you you know it, you know and and i was saying this to you before we recorded cameron that this this range is not going to be a win button. It's not a, you know, it, mm. it's not going to just do the painting for you in that sense. You've still got to be neat. You've still got, you know, you've still got to appreciate normal mm. techniques. You, you know, you've still got to, un, you know, prime them. You've still got, you know, do things in the proper way. It's just that I suppose effectively it is going to help you skip yeah. certain steps. And obviously the way, the way it works, it, you know, is quite interesting. And obviously you've got, um, two primers that are going to come out which is obviously the white and the the bone colored ones uh the white is going to be for uh for mm-hmm. darker tones and the bone colored one uh, one is going yeah. to be for lighter tones um they did say that you can use other mm-hmm. undercoats and primers it doesn't you don't categorically have to use them it's just like anything it's purpose mm. built to be used with contrast yeah. paint um you know from a chemical <laughs> point of view uh one thing they they massively said throughout all the whole thing is do not mix water with them because it does not help them at all so you know don't don't water them down which obviously is seems quite (laughs) alien you know because that's obviously they actually want to do uh they will be releasing Mm -hmm. a medium which you can use to help thin it down and obviously reduce the pigment Uh, and that's interesting actually with the medium it like i said it will um it what it will do is it won't thin it down in the sense it'll still have the same Mm. properties it'll just it will just reduce the the pigment of the color so it'll you know it won't be as strong as you know and you can obviously mix it and however you want um i said the tech the sort of tech behind it is is very interesting in the sense that it sort of you you put it on very very thick it like i said it it, when honestly you people getting very wide-eyed when the staff there are going yeah just chuck it on like put a load of load of gunk of the paint on you know onto your brush and then just chuck it on and obviously that you know with this whole two thin coats (laughs) sort of mentality it's very it seems very weird doing that but that's how it but it's amazing once it dries how mm. thin it goes on <clears throat> excuse me it it's amazing how like i said how thin it actually appears on there um and what it does it does pull into the recesses and like i said when i was painting that sector there it, you know when it on the robes mm. at the bottom for example it, it does properly pull in and will create you know a combination of a base a wash and a, a form of edge highlighting um you know again it's been the reception's been a bit 
has been very positive but obviously there's some people that obviously are a bit negative about it as well um what i would say again from my personal experience there is it's not going to replace professional painting you know i mean it's not it's not for you know people that were doing all their you know their their wet blending and all you know their airbrushing it's not going to replace that it's for people the, and I would I'd include myself in this. You just want to get stuff yeah, to the tabletop yeah. and just have, you know, a nicely painted army. It's not going to be pro painted. It's, you know, it's going to be of a a decent, good standard that is that that won't take you nowhere near as long as if you use the sort of conventional way of doing it. And also, one thing I would add is it doesn't stop you doing stuff mm, on top of it. Yeah. Like I said, use the contrast paints. But then if you want to do some dry brushing and edge highlight on top of it, then do it. That's not, you know, it's not a, you ha- can't go any further. It's just, all it's doing is just sort of giving you a, a decent head start. Um, and I think it's very exciting. Mm. Um, and I'm presuming you're very excited about mm-hmm. it too, Cameron. Yeah, I am. <clears throat> I mean, I am over the moon about this. Like, I, I'm very excited for it to get things done quickly like, to a reasonable degree quickly. You guys know I'm all about <laughs> using whatever I can to make my life easy when it comes to painting. It's why I like to paint with a white base mm-hmm. coat and washes so much these days. Uh, but, like you said, you can yeah. use other methods with this, and I'm really excited to see, and I've already seen a bit <laughs> online, of what people can do with this when they're already experienced painters and they mix it with a whole bunch of other techniques. Like, I was talking to you in one of the breaks or just before the show, I watched a guy on YouTube who was like, I painted this arch arch regent this yeah this ghoul arch regent entirely in contrast it looked incredible like he did things like he thinned it down to make the skin lighter and he did like stippling in multiple layers over the back and because it dries thick well it dries thin i should say but like the the color stays thick where it's dotted on specifically it was like semi-translucent between layers so it could build up this ripply shimmery pattern of like blisters on its back um, all kinds of really interesting things. You can use it to do weathering. Uh, I saw in that video because he did a bit of a blight hauler, like he blended the armor, did it green with like browns and oranges and purples blended into the edges to add shade. And then to do weathering, he took and did very thin lines of the darker ones to create like scratches mm-hmm. and stuff. And as soon as that dries, it sort of has made this very well-defined scratch mark or this, this damaged area. And like, I like experimenting with my paint schemes. As I mentioned earlier in the hobby section, I often start painting something that I'm like, I don't know how exactly I'm going to paint this. I'm going to mess around and see if I find something that works. I probably shouldn't do that so much, but hey, sure, whatever. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I just really want to get my hands on this set of paints and see what happens. Like just sit down with a few minis undercoat in it and just spend an afternoon experimenting and seeing what I can sort of produce with this really like, I've always been very intimidated by things like blending and wet blending. Uh, this seems like it will hopefully mm-hmm. make it much easier. Uh, as, as long as I stay inside, uh, part, part of being intimidated by wet blending, I think is being in Australia. I could never do it outside. Uh, I can't sit outside and paint <laughs> wet blend because as soon as I've dipped my brush in something else, the model's completely dry. Uh, but given it goes on very thick as a liquid and this hopefully takes a little more time to evaporate, I can probably get going with that maybe. I don't know, yeah, yeah. Like, like you said, it's weird that this is the thing we kept coming back to being most excited about over the course of like the last couple of weeks of news, but it's so cool. It's awesome. And yeah, like I think it is. Mm, it go, it go. felt, I was going to say, yeah. sorry to interrupt. It was, it was, it was, it felt like 
as good as a brand new release. I know it is a new release because it's paint, but it felt like something really big had just come, mm. you know, like like a, a new yeah. faction or something. That's how it to to a lot of us it it, it felt, and it's just because I suppose there's no part of us that are going. Oh, finally, <laughs> I can just smash through that backlog, yeah. you know, and and you can, and 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 sort of going off the back of what you're saying about just trying it out. One thing I would definitely recommend, uh, and obviously it's up to what people do, but is try it on some models that you're not that fussed about you know i would try mm. it first don't just pick your favorite unit and then just go time because you you know because i suppose you do have to slightly learn how it works the mm. way it flows because of the consistency of it and things like that so you know like i said if you've got some spare models uh get them built you know some spare marines or whatever you got get them built get get the new primer you know do it and then just and then just experiment and then you know before you tackle your you know your main models or anything like that mm. but you know, yeah that's just my advice anyway Mm. um it's yeah. yeah it's really exciting so uh, hopefully we'll see it soon <laughs> yeah yeah it's i'm i'm hope they said june so it could yep. be as early as like next week the pre-orders go up or whatever who mm. knows yeah. i don't it's it, it's so exciting for me it feels like because i remember back when washers were first released officially three games was like <laughs> yeah. and there was that there was always that buzz of excitement in the local community it was like man i've heard about this thing called devil and mud and let me tell you guys, it is like, this is what it feels like, like seeing what's being produced already just by the few mm. people who've gotten their hands on it, like experiencing and experience alike. This feels like what I would, what I was seeing for the first time when watches came out where people go, I did this in like 20 minutes and holding up this <laughs> by, by, by my, by my standards at the time, incredible miniature. Like it's impossible you did that in 20 minutes. Like, no, I did the base colors, put a wash over it, and now it's like, now I sprayed it. I did my paint by numbers with contrast, and now it looks yeah. perfectly acceptable tabletop. And yeah. then you know the guy next door was like, "Yeah, I blended over it and I stippled an edge, highlighted and dry brush, and here's this amazing thing. It only took two hours instead of two days." I'm like, yeah, mm, it's so exciting. Like, God, I'm looking at the Discord right now, and there's you put that you put that little segment that sampler someone did of airbrushing it over silver, and I'm just looking at that mm. Alpha Legionnaire. <laughs> there yeah. that perfect alpha legion paint scheme like oh that's so cool what you can do yeah, with this it's got so much potential and and that's why i think it will suit everyone it'll be from the bottom level that you know your beginners and people that just mm-hmm. want to just get somewhere with it and it, and i still think the pro painters will find some use out of oh, it oh yeah i'm not absolutely. saying it's gonna you know it's gonna completely change their way their methods but they will it's another tool that's the way to look mm-hmm. at it it's another tool and mm-hmm. it's just a very exciting tool and i think for <laughs> i said for us at the maybe at the bottom end where you just want to you know you just want to get your painting mm. done and you're not you know you're not trying to do golden demon it's <laughs> perfect whereas if you're the other end it, you'll still find it useful but you probably won't mm. have as much mm. use for it because you already have a fantastic standard so you know it yeah. swings and roundabouts really um but but also probably the last thing i'll say on it is that i think what's great is and we sort of all agreed it at Warmerfest is that it also means from a time point of view is you can then put the effort into your character so like you know if you've got a thousand mm. points to to build use your contrast paints on all your unit on your all your you know actual you know bulk units yeah. and then your general and your heroes or your hqs use then you know put a bit more time mm. into those yeah you know because you've saved time on the bulk you know it's you don't have to again you can use all contrast on that but it just you know it just it's a uh, it just will help save time and then in for, you know you can then put a bit more mm. effort into the the more special you know uh, models you may have so yeah extremely exciting indeed um mm. and so yeah the, the we'll just quickly wrap up the 
the, the last of the other news, which is more <laughs> sort of towards the other sort of games. Um, they've announced they're redoing uh, Aero, Aeronautica Imperialis, yep, um, which yep. I have no real knowledge about the first time. So um, I, It's a dogfighting Imperial game set. I'm pretty sure it's mm. set in 30k, so I think this okay. might be in the Adeptus Titanicus scale. And if it is, okay. it could be interesting to see like a oh. bunch of lightning fighters do an attack run on a warlord or something. I think it would actually be yeah. very cool. Um, yeah. Of course, I could be wrong. They could be releasing a bunch of like plastic Imperial fighter kits at 40k scale, in which case... Hey, that's cool as well. Yeah, yeah, See a whole exactly, bunch of yeah. flyer wings. Uh. Mm, exactly. So no, that's all very exciting. Um, and actually, talking of Adeptus Titanicus, obviously mm-hmm. they've shown off a bit more. You know, the bits that are coming out for that as well. So, which again is good. It shows that they're still heavily supporting it. Yeah, because um, it, you know, it, it's uh, it's doing well. It really oh, is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's doing a, I think, a lot better than they were hoping, really. And it's funny, actually, <laughs> just quick, quick sort of uh, tangent is we were, like I said, we were speaking to Andy Hoare about Adeptus Titanicus. He sort of said, oh, you know, do you, do you guys play it? And we said, well, uh, no, because A, we don't have the models, but B, it's probably because, we, we, you know, we would struggle to find people nearby to mm. play it. Uh, you know, and then he obviously gave some advice about, you know, going to your clubs or yeah. local GW's Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but what he said, one of the good things about Adeptus Titanicus is, is the, the, the sort of top level when it comes to investment is actually not that much. Yeah. I think the point yeah. he's trying to make is if you want to really get into 40 K, you're like, oh, I want a 2000 point army. That could be lots of money. You know, you're spending lots of money because obviously 2000 points can be a lot. Uh, but what you're saying is with Adeptus Titanicus, once you bought a few Titans, maybe yeah. a couple of nights mm. you're pretty much done you know it levels oh, yeah. off you, may, you there may be you know you have to spend a bit more <laughs> at the start but it actually then tailors mm. off because you don't need well unless you're doing something crazy you don't need lots of models yeah, so yeah. Like, oh, yeah unless you're one of those point. people who plays full scale adeptus titanicus well exactly <laughs> then you know you got too much money than sense <laughs> yeah exactly god that'd be great uh, to do one day though actually just go out oh. to a public park and pay park and play 32 millimeter scale adeptus titanicus <laughs> <laughs> well like i said when we've got all the money and time that we've been promised mm. you know from that question mm. we answered at the start um yeah maybe <laughs> yeah, we, we will <laughs> uh, uh from necromunda's perspective they've obviously again shown off uh, a few more bits as mm. well um they've obviously the, well, I suppose the I suppose the highlight would be to me the the house corridor mm. um, uh, character that they've obviously redesigned because obviously yes. it was quite controversial the first time. A little time. less, a uh, little less KKK ish. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, known as the the headsman. So mm. uh, very cool model. Actually. Oh yeah, you know, so, looks, so, so, still so looks fantastic, which is good. <laughs> like I, and also, I I think what's quite good is the fact mm. that we we saw it the first time and obviously we were like, ooh. That could be a bit controversial, yeah. and obviously it was. <laughs> and then it just disappeared, because obviously it's one of those things mm. where, um, I saw, I'm, I'm sure if you're into Necromunda more, then obviously you would uh, be more in the know. But I suppose for us sort of, you know, people that just look at it from afar, we're like, hang on, wasn't there that you know, executioner-type mm. character mm. a while ago? And then it sort of disappeared. And then obviously I, I think it's quite good that they've just thought, you know what, this was clearly wrong. Yeah. Let's redesign it. Let's start yeah. again. You know, they've, instead of pushing it through, no, we're definitely having this. It's good that they've, you know, acknowledged it mm. and 
and changed it. So yeah, yeah and it's, like, it's kept all the essential bits of the previous model. It I think it honestly mm. looks better. I kind of like the fact that instead of having that big hood, he has like a full imperial shrine kind of built up across his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, between the candles yeah. and the little reliquary thing. Like I, I don't know, I think it mm. still looks great. That that axe is still so awesome to me. Like built yep. out of hammered together railway spikes or something. <laughs> yeah. It is good. It is very good. Mm. So uh and then like I said the last two bits is they've obviously shown off some more Blood Bowl stuff. So yep. they've shown off some of the uh Wood Elf uh Blood Bowl mm-hmm. team stuff. Uh, well a star a dryad star player, which is mm-hmm. really cool as well. Um and they've shown off see which is very cool, the halfling <laughs> team yeah. as well. well which I think looks awesome. Order this weekend actually. Which I think they are. They look yeah. fantastic. I love them. Just the yeah. guy marching around with a squirrel on top of his head is so good. <laughs> <coughs> it is awesome. Yeah. And and again it's very blood bowl. And and again oh, yeah. it's good to see that it's still getting supported. You know, that it's still mm. they're still giving it the, the love it deserves. Um and lastly the Middle Earth stuff. Uh, yeah. again the, I think the highlights to me were the Hobbit holes that yes. have been that you can buy. Oh, they're so cool. Which are very very cool indeed uh and i suppose the the other highlight would be they're doing another book which is the scour mm. the scouring of the shire um which again proves that they they are really happily supporting this game mm-hmm. and like I said, i'll be playing it soon so i'm really looking forward to that as well Excellent. so yeah so yeah that's all the news i said we've <laughs> we've got it that we were calm you know hopefully um <laughs> in, a, in a calm manner so yeah we're finally caught up now um so we'll take on next little break and we'll find out shortly what happens to morty and friends back soon <laughs> hello and welcome back it's time for the main law topic and we're going to a different era this time like i said we usually obviously do 40k and aos but like i said we just fancy doing a bit of 30k mix it mm. up Let's mm. mix it up with the Death Guard and friends. So, uh, yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, we're going to be discussing The Buried Dagger, which is the final Horus Heresy novel before it switches to the Siege of Terror series, that's, which obviously the first book is out now, The Solar War. Um, and like I said, we just, I think obviously we're both fans, obviously, especially Cameron is of the Death Guard. And obviously, <laughs> this is obviously their you know, main novel at last mm. as such. I mean, there's they obviously they, they have been in other parts of the Horus Heresy novels, but this is obviously a predominantly uh, Death Guard focused one uh, mixed yeah. in with the, <laughs> the Knight Errant. Um, but, you know, it just it's something we just fancy doing. So um, as always, spoiler warning, you're being warned right mm-hmm. now. You know, this, this section will contain spoilers about stuff. <laughs> mm. So you have been warned um so yeah we'll get stuck into it and obviously talk about the book and obviously our opinions um i listen to the audio version whereas cameron has the physical version so for yeah. a change this time cameron is going to read the back of the book go for it <coughs> yes yes quite the buried dagger the skies darken over terror as the final battle for the throne looms ever closer as the traitor primarchs muster to the war master's banner it is Mortarion who is sent ahead as the vanguard of the traitor forces. But as he and his warriors make way, they become lost in the warp and stricken by a terrible plague. Once thought of as unbreakable, the legendary Death Guard are brought to their knees. To save his legion, Mortarion must strike a terrible bargain that will damn his sons for eternity. 
Meanwhile, in the cloisters of Holy Terror, plans are afoot to create sedition and carnage in advance of Horus's armies. Taking matters into his own hands, Malkador the Sigilite seeks to put a stop to any insurrection, but discovers a plot that he will need all of his cunning and skill to overcome. Dun dun dun. Wow. Yeah. That sounds a good laugh, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bright, bright and cheery time for all involved. Yeah, as always. <laughs> um, I think one caveat I think we should put in is that neither of us have read all of the Horus Heresy novels oh, God, as well. Oh, God, no. I have um, no, no, no clue what's happening you know, so, in all the other books. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if you're listening and we say something that's either incorrect or something, you know, we interpret and you think, oh, yeah, but because mm. of this, you know, I know, you know, you have to factor that in as well. I mean, I've, yeah. you know, obviously we've read I mean, you stuff. you can let us and, know that we're wrong. Please, yeah, please was, tell yeah. us we're wrong. But. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just that little caveat in there as well. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, I mean, luckily it's a, it's a, it's a novel that's quite, you know, quite focused, quite singular. So you don't, you know, mm. I think even the author himself said you don't, you know, which is James Swallow. He said you don't really need to have read a lot before this. He said, I think yeah. primarily his previous novel, which is Flight of the Eisenstein, which is actually mm. one of the book three or four of the heresy. Yeah. So even if you've just dabbled in the early bits, you know, you will get this. And and to be fair, we, we did cover the, the lore about the Death Guard um mm. quite a while ago from memory yeah. so we have touched upon bits of this it just obviously this book gives you a bit more insight and obviously puts a you know a, a narrative perspective to a lot of this so um mm. yeah it's very good uh right okay cameron um what's your opinion on this book in general i really really liked it uh obviously <laughs> i'm a i'm, I'm the <laughs> big death guard fanboy on the show but mm-hmm. god this was so good like as as, like, a contrast to Death Guard and 40k, Death Guard and 30k stuff is something I can really get behind. Because they're not that different, but they are different in all the ways that matter. But then this book goes even further, because primarily this book is A plot, B plot, talking about uh, Nathaniel Garrow and Malkador the Sigilite doing stuff on Terra as the A plot, and the B plot being Mortarian and the Death Guard getting stuck in the warp. But during the... B plot, we also jump into the C plot, which is Mortarian's childhood adventures. Um, (laughs) and it is so good to sort of, this book touches all the notes you need for everything you need to know about the Death Guard and why they are like they are during the heresy. And then, you know, obviously it shows their fall and what happens to them. And, you know, it explains really well how they end up, how they are. But I just love the, the amount of personality it gives to them. Like, a, a lot of legions are very easily boiled down to a single trait, like the Death Guard are the stoic people who just walk forwards and until, you know, they can bludgeon things to death with the butts of their bolters, effectively. But, like, <laughs> they have a culture, which, again, big thing I've really liked with novels about legions and founding chapters, building on the chapter's culture is something I really like. Uh, and like, like I said, that, that stuff on Barbarous with Mortarian as a young guy before... <laughs> everything went to crap for him when the emperor showed up is really 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 cool like uh we'll probably dig into it later but like seeing mortarian as he you know people see him as the reaper he's this big important person but he is so much more human and he's actually kind of happy and in like a really good place overall it's, <laughs> yeah it's it yeah. feels so weird <clears throat> but like at the same time it's super touching and makes the rest of the book so much more tragic and then you know Garrow's story and building on what's going on with Malkador the Sigilite and 
Uh, spoilers right at the end of the books, the founding of the Grey Knights, uh, is also yep. pretty cool. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a really good book. I just spoiled one of the big, one of the big moments in it. So go read it now, I guess. Oh, now, that you, <laughs> now that you know. You've been warned. Yeah, you've been warned. <laughs> no, mm. I, I'd echo a lot of that. I, I mean, I, I, like I often do when I've read a, a novel, you know, one of the Black Library novels, mm-hmm. I always look to see what other people think and, and see what, other people's interpretation are uh, is of a novel and this one again was extremely polarizing there were mm. some people absolutely uh, it was very marmite it was for, people absolutely loved it or people were very annoyed with it and i suppose mm. it depends which obviously which angle you come from with it yeah um, i suppose it depends on how much you love the death guard and you know and how much history you've got invested in the reading of the heresy so mm. obviously if you've read literally all the novels i think for some people they felt a bit disappointed with it um i didn't feel any of that i thought it's <laughs> it's as good as it could have been really i i think people i personally think people yeah. have given it a hard time but mm. again it's all obviously down to what you you feel which is perfectly fine um i really enjoyed it i i i liked the the sort of split of the novel because again mm. i think a lot of people <clears throat> excuse me were annoyed that it wasn't a hundred percent Death Guard. Obviously, the fact you've got this, you know, this parallel running with obviously Garrow and obviously all the the other now future Grey Knights. But I yeah. think you needed that as well mm. at times. I think it just dragged it away because, because in essence, what happens to Mortarion in the Death Guard when they sort of basically, you know, do submit to Nurgle in the end is, you know, it, it it's obviously been there underlying for a while. Obviously, with all mm. the scheming that Typhon slash Typhus has been has been plotting but you know how how far do you go with it like i think it was described as 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 well as it could have been because Mm. ultimately it you know it's a big event but it wasn't a massively long event either they're sort of them you know it it happened they get stuck in the warp and they obviously submit obviously there's more to it and we'll we'll Mm. touch upon that but (laughs) you know i think if you devote a whole novel just to that you you'd be struggling i think so i can see why you've got this parallel with with garrow and 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 obviously from on a personal bias from Mm. from no doubt james swallow's point of view is he wrote the garrow garrow stuff as well so and garrow is former death guard so it Mm. all ties in it's you know, it all yeah. it all works. Absolutely. Um, you and know, I I I just think it, it highlights so many things in that regard. Yeah. No, sorry, Karen. Yeah, I, I feel it might also they might also put the Garrow stuff in to have some action in the book because as far as the mm. Death Guard stuff goes, there's a fight at the start of the book, and then the rest is politics, intrigue, and like a sort of a thriller horror mystery in terms of the disease. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. on Garrow's side, it's big fight mystery investigation big fight mystery investigation big fight mystery investigation conclusion Mm. kind of deal which Mm. is satisfying its own right but like i feel i feel part of the reaction to this is it doesn't feel like big important like all the big important fights are happening in garrow's section of the thing like well yeah the the struggle in mortarian section is sort of that philosophical and psychological one between them and this weird disease they don't understand and everything Mm. and they can't they can't make that a big battle you couldn't have hundreds of thousands of plague bearers swarm on all the ships and you know they stab <laughs> every death guard individually to transmit the plague that's dumb and doesn't have a lot of drama to it but it would be a big no. cool fight but i'm like no it's, i feel i feel part of the criticism criticism is that you don't see a primarch doing a lot of primarch stuff in a novel <laughs> ostensibly yeah. focused on the the big fall of a primarch but 
instead we get these really important foundational blocks to Mortarian's character. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know how much has actually been done with him in the previous books, but this book really helps build him up and solidify his personality, what drives him, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and really fleshes him out as a character, especially like taking all this and then thinking of Mortarian 40k is awesome because it gives so much more sort of import to everything he's done. Um, and just, you know, the, the depths of that enmity, I, I never really understood exactly why he was so angry at Typhus for everything. I was like, yeah, I know Typhus <laughs> technically betrayed him and he was a psycho and he doesn't like psychos, doesn't he that much. But then you get this book and you get their bond. Like they were the two outcasts on Barbarous because yep. this big, weird, young Primark <clears throat> guy and the, the half evil overlord mutant psychic <laughs> yeah, guy. The half-breed, yeah. yeah, the half breed. Yeah. And like, yeah, they, all they had was each other for years and years and years, and together they built this massive thing. They both watched the Emperor take it away from them, and they worked together beyond that. And then, at the end of all things, Typhus goes around and says, you're not as important as this this demon, effectively, when he's... It, it's Nurgle. But it's like, Mortarin, listen, I'm doing this for your good. I know better than you. De- demons yeah. are cool. We love demons now. And Mortarin's like, no, mm-hmm. no, we're not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I I know I totally agree, and I think you you see things in this novel that you you probably weren't aware of, and like I said, it it like I said, and it's quite funny for people like me who have recently listened to Plague War, which mm. obviously features mm. Mortarian and Typhus, and it's it's like I said, it's very very cool and very weird at the same yeah. time, listening to them very close together, where you're seeing the the old 30k version of this mm. pair and then obviously now the 40k pair and it actually fits perfectly because you you understand now when you like I said if you do read or listen to Plague War about more, the, those two characters you think ah now you know by listening to reading the buried dagger mm. you know exactly where this you know fractious relationship has has appeared from and what's caused it yeah. um i mean actually let's I think one key point that I think really we need to talk about when it comes, and it's a, I think it's a very common theme throughout this whole mm. novel, is to do with um, to do with being a father. Yeah. I think, but like on lots mm. of different levels, um, Mortarian being a father, as in being a father to the Death Guard. Um, you've got obviously, uh, and obviously looking after his sons, uh, so to speak. You've got obviously uh, Mortarian's relationship or very horrible relationship with his foster father and obviously you've got also his relationship with eventually the his real father the the emperor um so i i well i personally thought it was great because you see a lot of these sort of similarities between these you know these situations so you know for example you know when when the um the plague appears or you know starts affecting them in the warp um Actually, let's roll it back. Sorry, let me let me quickly roll it back because I think we need to. People haven't read this; they need to sort of understand what's actually yeah, going on yeah. <laughs> in this. In you know, in a in a nutshell, because then it'll it'll provide some context with some of the things we're about to say. Um, so, like Cameron sort of said, is that obviously from you know, if we focus primarily just on the the Death Guard section mm. of this of this now, um, you've got basically flashbacks in modern mm. day. So there's flashbacks to Barbarous when. You know, when Mortarian was younger, when obviously he, you know, landed on Barbarous and obviously was adopted and then all the shenanigans <laughs> that happened over there. And then obviously, like I said, you got the modern day, which is where like I said they're en route to Terra and 
there's obviously they get they get basically get infected with the plague uh typhon mm-hmm. before you know where before he, he becomes known as typhus he basically uh kills all the navigators on on their on their ship um and and obviously in turn all the other navigators so they're now basically stuck in the warp obviously it's part of his plan was so that obviously by effectively trapping him in the warp uh they'll then obviously get exposed to nurgle um which is what's starting to happen and then obviously puts mortarian in a position where he sort of can't yeah. refuse <laughs> to to basically submit to nurgle um and obviously like i said the the barbarous the flashback side of things he's just again just providing context of why of where he's got to you know to the 30k version of him today as such um so going back to this let's say this father theme um i i I said i thought it was quite interesting because obviously you've got the point where the um you know where where they're getting infected for example now obviously from matarian's point of view and obviously no doubt the death guard themselves they're obviously horrified that this is happening because obviously you know they're 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 you know they're not used to this sort of thing happening they're you know they're like like you said earlier they're well known for the legion that's the most stoic the most resistant to things obviously you know we we see in the flashbacks where he makes his you know the original death guard or you know the dust you know combination with the dust raiders they you know they're drinking poison after a a good fight to you know and to to resist it and to make them hardier and stronger it it's it must have been a terrifying moment for mortarian as you know the father of the death guard as such that he's having to watch what's happening to his sons don't you think oh yeah absolutely yeah it's it's just absolutely horrific because you know we we, we see scenes where i can't again i can't remember the character's names where he he he's fully you know fully being uh under yeah. the influence of the of the plague and you know obviously starting to turn they put him on a on a well, like a like an apothecary's table, basically, and obviously the apothecary's like, I don't know what <laughs> this is. I mean, this is well <laughs> beyond what I'm used to seeing. And obviously, there's this horrible moment where Martarian uh, has to literally put this Death Guard down, and then, mm. like you'd see in a very similar, you know, like you know, like a, in a horror film, he comes mm. back to life, and obviously, you know, and freaks him out. And it to yeah. me, it feels like he's losing his power, Martarian, like as in, oh, yeah. like not not literally losing his power but just losing mm. that grip of what makes them what they are like it's almost mm. like it's like rocking the boat it's like whoa you know I'm, this is not right this is not how things happen do you sort of mm. do you feel that's sort of where it was going yeah absolutely it's kind of it's it's that interesting sort of contrast with the death guard because their whole thing is they endure anything they take anything and they keep going no matter what but in 40k, they got to that point. By at some point, they broke and they submitted and they said, "This is too much. We surrender." Which is this is this story, and you know, at this point, they haven't had that moment before. Like Mortarian says it himself in the book, this has never happened. No Death Guard ever mm. has fallen to any kind of disease, whether manufactured, natural, or demonic, before. It just hasn't happened. You know, they've walked through rad storms, they've walked through virus bombs, they've been absolutely fine. And now, you know, they're stuck in the warp and this one, this one, uh, guy who, again, this is important. This was, this is not a normal space marine. This is one of the guys from Barbarous who grew up around Mortarian and was mm. afterwards recruited into the Death Guard proper. They're like given as many upgrades as were possible at the time to sort of make them a space marine 
ish. You know, it's that thing of they're too old for some of the implants, but they can get enough for them to let them, you know, wear the power armor and still be about the right stru- size. They're basically space marines. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's lying there, he's dead on a table, and then he gets up, and the knife in his heart rusts and snaps. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, all, all the all the, all the the things like, this guy is dead, there he is, he's in agony, he's in the worst form of torture possible, and he can't die. He's doing what a Death Guard does, is he endures. But it is not killing him, but it is, like, driving him insane, because it's, it's, it's yep. the worst thing you could possibly imagine, then worse, is the idea here, at the very least. And, you know, it, it slowly begins to affect basically everyone. And it, it's got this great, it, it's an enemy they can't get to grips with, which I think is actually, um, pointed out in the flashbacks. Uh, Typhon's thinking about Mortarian, and whenever there's an issue, Mortarian looks for something physical to solve it. Like, you know, it, as soon as yep. there's something he has to think about that's beyond his immediate grasp, he will grab a weapon as he thinks. Because that helps him think, you know, it's how you immediately react to the thing is, what can I do physically right now? And this is a virus that is, it's every disease at once, it doesn't pass, it's not contagious in any sensible way, any rational way, it sort of flickers and infects people at random, uh, it's a chimeric mutation or whatever it was, um... And it's something they really can't get to grips with. You know, they are stuck in the warp. They can't do anything. All they can do is lock the ships down and try and wait it out. And Mortarian can see here that waiting out, waiting it out is never going to work. Like, here's someone who's literally <laughs> medically dead. And it's still, you know, they're still in the throes of this disease. Like, they can't possibly wait this out. They have to find the source. And if you can't find the source, what can you do? You're powerless in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree. And one thing I I did sort of read about is, or quite a common opinion is that obviously we've, as we've said, Mortarian is feeling very helpless at this point because, like I said, he physically can't do anything about what's happening to his his Death Guard. And obviously, at this point, until stuff happens later, obviously, you know, obviously we know that Typhon is the is the instigator of all this. But obviously, at this point, Mortarian doesn't really know until obviously a slightly later in the novel, but. Um, the one thing that, um, people, like I said, people have said is that they felt that Mortarion was a bit too helpless at times in the sense that obviously like, for example, when, like I said, the point where strategically Typhon kills the navigators. Yeah. So obviously, cause you know, the, obviously the plan is that by killing him, it, it gets stuck. And obviously he then says to Mortarion, oh, don't worry, you know, I'm a powerful psyker. I can do the mm. job. Um, uh, do you do you feel that Mortarian was a bit of a pushover <laughs> in in simple terms? Because a lot of people um, have said that, but I'm not sure. Like I don't I don't think he's so much as a pushover as he is. He has a very special relationship with Typhon specifically. Like 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 I said, they are the two who stuck together no matter what. You know, on Barbara's they were the two outcasts. They built all this themselves. He trusts Typhon like he doesn't trust anyone else. He is the only one of the Death Guard who calls Mortarian brother rather mm. than father, yep. for example. Yeah. Like, he, they, they have that close of a bond. You know, in, in Mortarian's eyes, Typhon is on the same, like, status level as one of the other Primarchs. Mm-hmm. Even higher, honestly, because, you know, he actually likes him to some degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to all the other Primarchs <laughs> who he really doesn't seem to be able to stand. Um, <laughs> and like, it, it's not Mortarian being a pushover so much as saying, 
I don't have any other options. When all else has failed in the past, Typhon has always pulled through and done what is best for me and the Legion. You know, like, sure, Typhus, Typhon split off in a splinter fleet, like, earlier in the Horus Heresy and went off to find himself. I become the Herald of Noble proper. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, he, he spun that as I did that for the good Legion. I had to find out more information. I had to work out what exactly we can do when we get to Terror, all that kind of things. And, you know, Mortarion trusts him. They've been together for decades at this point. Yep. Typhon's never let him down. Typhon always does what is best for the Legion and best for Mortarion. And he's, he knows, he knows he's not always right. Like we get in the flashbacks, there's, there's stuff, you know, like uh, Typhon pulls in a clone of an overlord and says, we can use this to do genetic experiments, make super soldiers to fight the overlords. And Mataran's like, no, <laughs> no. You about your, your heart, your heart's in the right place, but no, we're burning that thing right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, but you know, he, he, he truly believes that Typhon is someone he can actually legitimately trust, which is, I would say very rare for Motarian. Yeah. So in this case, yeah, it's not, not him being a pushover. It's more like this is literally one of maybe two or three people in existence that he couldn't countenance actually betraying him, actively mm -hmm. betraying him. He's like, yeah. no, Typhon's doing this for our own good. He's made a mistake, but I know he can also fix the mistake, so I'm going to give him that chance. Yeah. And no, that's, I, what, I think yeah. it's fair. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree, actually, because I, I think, I don't think he was a pushover. Like I said, I think because of their history, because of the way they've worked mm. together and they, and they, like you said, they, like you sort of highlighted there, they, they, they work in a nice odd tandem mm. with each other, obviously before it really <laughs> hits the fan, because obviously, you know, like you said, Mortarian is very, you know, methodical. He's like very anti-psyker, very anti-oppression, yeah. uh, and things like that. He very sort of, you know, believe in, like I said, believing in the physical, right? Yeah. This, this, you know, this side will, mm. will sort everyone out. That's all I need. I, you know, I don't need anything else. Whereas obviously Typhon is properly pushing things forward. Like I said, with the, from the psychic perspective, you're talking about, like I said, the mm. genetics and, and, you know, it's almost like, he, you know, he's the, the, Typhon is the sort of crazy to mm. Mortarian, isn't it? He's like he's the one that's a bit out there, you know, trying to push things forward. Mortarian's like trying to rein things again. Like, no, no, look, let's just keep it simple. Which is obviously yeah. very Mortarian, yeah. very Death Guard in in essence, in their sort of from their culture point of view. And yeah, it's it's amazing how you see their uh, relationship, especially when in like I said the originals in mm. the flashbacks. Obviously, when we see the flashbacks in Barbarous and they. They were sort of brought together because I think from memory, uh, Mortarian saves yeah, Typhon, yeah. doesn't he, from the 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 golems that are, um, which are <laughs> a whole different thing that's part mm. of uh, Barbarous, and you know, and then obviously they they like I said they get yeah. a bond from there, and obviously you, and I suppose in a way they they've got a great bond initially because they're sort like you said they're mm. both outcasts. Obviously, Mortarian shouldn't be there anyways. Obviously he's only there because obviously the, the gods of chaos <laughs> chucked him as one of the Primarch and <laughs> around and he ended up being on Barbarous. And obviously Typhon is well, it, it says he's obviously he's he's a half breed, as in his mother is human and his father is one of the overlords, which we don't actually ever know what the yeah. overlords are yeah. on Barbarous. Uh, categorically, you know, you can have your suspicions. They, I mean, they could be an old, yeah. old school form of human the, the, or Xenos, I, I for example. The, we don't I think know. The implication is they are humans that fell to the worship of Nurgle. I think is probably yes. what it is overall. But like they, they are distinct enough. It's been long enough that they are probably not the human species anymore. 
No. They are genetically distinct. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So, and, you know, and obviously, you know, he's, (laughs) he's basically been uh, brought into the world as part of a, a a rape and pillage Mm. situation, Mm. basically, you know, that's in essence. And, and so I suppose both of them feel like they shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know, not not just obviously having to deal with the oppression of the overlords, and obviously to help the the humans that are, like I said, are obviously being oppressed. There, it's they probably they form that you know, it's that simple bond where two people are, that are in the same situation, same boat. And like, oh yeah, you know, we we're very similar to each other. You know, we may have different ways of dealing with things, but ultimately we're we are you know the same. And like I said, that bond has carried on. Mm. I said into the point where you know they're in the their the space marines or legio astartes, I should say and yeah you know they i can see where he that trust is in him and and i suppose to be fair to mortarian at this point he you know like i said typhon has always tried to do the best for everything Mm. obviously you know he's been he's been doing shady stuff in a sense because obviously he's he disappeared for a while and then obviously he's come he's come back um because obviously the start of the novel i think they're they're dealing with a um well, like a, like a Mechanicum type world. Yeah, from, I think it's of, a Mechanicum it's type like, world. It's like a, sort of thing. A, not a Forge world, but a Forge world resources world. Yeah, basically. something like that. Yeah. And yeah, and so obviously then, you know, Typhon turns up with his, you know, his section of the, of the Death Guard. But it, it also, <clears throat> excuse me, it also some, you know, plays into how we see it in 40k where obviously they're both as part of the same legion but because of that because like i said typhon is on a a higher level to the others and he's almost primarch level to a degree you've got this big divide Mm. amongst the death guard because you've effectively got mortarian's death guard and you've got typhon's Mm. death guard and obviously they've both got their own (laughs) sort of bodyguards you know mortarian's got the uh the death shroud and and uh typhon's got the is it the grave wardens? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, and you know, so they've got all the, you know, so it's almost like you've got this weird parallel going b- between, you know, two halves of the death mm. guard and yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's, it's, you know, created a, a, an interesting relationship, but I, again, I think it still ties in with that father son mm, thing yeah. because obviously, like I said, you know, you've seen what's happening to Mortarian sons with the plague in effect, Typhon isn't isn't really a son. Mm. He is, I suppose, because he's the Primarch, but he's not because, as I said, they they treat each other almost like brothers. Um, But still, I I still think Mortarion still sees him as a son, really. Mm. And and obviously, when he's starting to, um, well, turn against him, we're trying to manipulate the Death Guard, obviously, to eventually submit to Nurgle. Uh, you know th- that must be quite tragic oh, for yeah, Mortarion on an on an emotional level. It's it's like you said because I think you said earlier it's quite it's quite a tragedy mm. really what how this comes about. Yeah. And it's I did anyway oh, yeah. as a as a reader. I thought <laughs> this is harsh. Mm. Well, because <laughs> you know, you know we, uh, we see Mortarion at his highest highs and we see him at his lowest lows in this book. Like <clears throat> that, like I, I think I've already said this, but I'll say it again. The Barbara stuff in the book is so good because we see Mortarion at his absolute best. Like, he is, he is living his mm. best life. He's organized an amazing rebellion. He's basically taken over a planet. <laughs> you know, everything is going his way. The Emperor shows up later, obviously, and ruins everything. And then we see the inverse of that, which is he's completely helpless. His closest friend, his, his only real brother, has turned against him and has engineered this thing that is, you know, causing great suffering to all of his sons. <laughs> And it's just mm. like the, the difference in dynamics between that and the uh, part of the real tragedy, I think, is because so many of the Death Guard, 
quote-unquote Death Guard, not the actual Legion, but the band he made on Barbarous, survived to become mm-hmm. part of the actual Legion, and they are all there suffering alongside him. Like, we see so many great scenes. Like, I think my favorite bit is um when they've, they've, they're in the free city of Sanctuary, and they've just come back from a raid on one of the mountain fortresses or whatever, back on Barbarous, and it's... It's really weird to see Mortarian legitimately happy, but still, still, you know, he's <laughs> yeah. like, but yeah. he, he makes like actual jokes and stuff. Like, you know, someone, one, one of the guys, I think it was Scorval, the guy who's in a contemptor dreadnought by the time of the Horus Heresy is like, you know, I think I almost yeah. saw you crack a smile there. And he's like, oh, you understand the people say that if the Reaper of Men ever smiles, the sky will crack and fall to the earth. So please understand <laughs> the grave responsibility yeah. I have. Like, that's such a good joke. Like he he is yeah. he is so close with all these people, and then you know you cut forward thirty years, they are all dying of a horrific plague, and he is powerless to help them. Like, yeah, oh, it, 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 yeah, it is really that depth yeah. of tragedy <laughs> in how it's yeah, and I, and I, and that's what I think where where this novel comes in so handy is actually like I said seeing the barbarous mm. side of Moltarian Typhon and the rest of the Death Guard, I think is very key because it, it really from a, you know, from obviously from a knowledge and from an emotional point of view, that's where it really hits home because like you said, you've seen them bonding together because, because effectively Moltarian is, has become the, you know, the savior mm. of, of the humans always, he's leading the, the, you know, the rebel, uh, the rebels against the overlords, you know, and I think, I think in some ways the barbarous side of the novel is probably the best mm. bit. I think it's actually, cause you see some bits which, um, I was quite surprised at the, the, like it's very, it's very, it seems, well, at times anyway, it seems very steampunk. Mm. The actual oh, yeah, sort of some of the things that they, they're using like like these sort of weird like steam powered blunderbusses, mm. and they they've got you know they got these golems that are sort of being you know resurrected like these sort of you know sort of automated machines and and stuff which I wasn't expecting. But then I, I to be fair, I didn't know what I was going to expect because it's it's something that's not often been touched upon in mm. in you know other parts of the law. And I th- I thought that was absolutely. Did you did you like that part? Oh, of it? I absolutely adored that. Like um, the version of the book I have is the hard cover version that has like some illustrations mingled in with the pages Mm. and there is one illustration which i actually saw pop up on reddit a few months after i first read the book and someone went what mark of power armor is this and i had to explain that's not actually a mark of power armor that's the exosuit mortarian made to let himself climb (laughs) higher in the mountains because it has like the beaky helmet but it has the beaky helmet because it's filled with incense and like filters and stuff to get the gases out Mm. and it's more, it's not, it's not 40k style power armor. It's almost like the Fallout style of power armor, really. It's more of, more, like, aesthetically style, at least I think it's that. But, you know, it's also got the 40k thing, so it's got chainmail in it. It's got a big barrel with a bellow on the back, and the, as you walk, you mm-hmm. pump the bellow to pump fresh air through the suit and stuff like that. <laughs> like, it, it is wonderfully steampunk. And at the same time, it's very, it's in that divide where, you know, advanced enough technology is magic because the overlords can do things like call down fireballs from the mountains and you know they can reanimate the dead and all these things they're almost magical but you know it is almost certainly like tech they have and then you have all the people living in the valleys living their little steampunk lives like yeah it's so good (laughs) like i mean it's the steampunk lives like mortarian uh scythe silence that's not something i'm pretty sure it's the same one at least it's not something he had made he like pulled it out of a broken combine harvester 
Yeah, and he goes, oh, this will do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this looks fun. <laughs> well, because a lot of them are farmers and things mm. like that. They're, they're, they farm they're, wheat. They're without, yeah, I mean, they... In the thing is, that's the the key thing to understand is the humans that are on Barbarous, they're 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 sort of half slave, half plaything mm. to the overlords. Effectively, they're sort of. And it, I think it says quite a few times throughout the novel where it basically says that they do the overlords do things because why not? Mm. You know, there's just yeah. just because you know, like you know, I think it says that there's like there's this particular overlord which will will you know will take over a particular part of the land, but rather than sort of progressing it, we'll just decimate mm. it because Again. he's a bit of a shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, because why not? And, and obviously because you've got this literal divide between the overlords and the humans, because obviously the overlords are up there in the poison and they can handle it. And obviously you've got the, the humans down below. And, and again, obviously there's, there's obviously a, uh, definitely a, a significance with the literally the the overlords are generally up on the mountains mm. and, and up and above and obviously the humans are literally physically down below as you know there's obviously uh you know to show the the the, the way that the class system works mm. uh it, it's very interesting and i think that it, what barbarous does or the to me the barbarous side of the novel it shows actually how human mortarian actually mm. is yeah. like you said he's he's got a bond with his fellow death guard he's you know he is the savior of people and he's enjoying doing that you know he's he's found his purpose in life and obviously he's trying to prove it to his uh, foster father mm. who is a complete <laughs> asshole to be honest i mean deliberately he is horrible you know and we see that a lot where he's mm. obviously when before mortarian basically escapes from uh, the rest of the overlords obviously mm. you know his, his foster father is just completely degrading him at any you know nothing is ever good enough and obviously that's where obviously mortarian's obviously trying to prove himself as much as possible but you know he's he is trying to do it for the people and and like you said earlier which i think is actually something i didn't realize as much until i read the novel is that like you said he's he's actually happy doing that mm. like he he doesn't want to be part of the great crusade really no, no. you know he would have he would have if he had stayed on barbarous overthrew you know overthrew the overlords he would have been happy oh, yeah. you know like he he sort of was like oh really do i have to come <laughs> obviously i know that's part of the agreement mm. and obviously that's a key thing that you know that i think we've covered before is obviously when the emperor does turn up towards the end or he's the, the newcomer mm. as he's known in the novel uh that obviously he throws a challenge down to mortarian obviously if mortarian uh goes up and 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 defeats his foster father then obviously he'll leave mortarian b and and, mm. and that's it and obviously if he loses or doesn't or fails to do it you should say he will obviously the emperor will you know take him on and he will become one of the imperium mm. and it's funny that it's that mortarian is sort of he feels like he's he ends up getting dragged into stuff which <laughs> he doesn't want to be part of really mm. and and it's and that's why i think it's quite not you know there's again a definite link where he's gone from you know obviously he's been part of the overlords which he didn't want to be mm. part of because he's got a horrible father and then he then finds you know, he, he's then with the people, the humans, and that, I think that's yeah. his place. You know, he goes, you know what, that is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And then, because he obviously fails to beat his father, and the emperor mm. does it on his behalf, he then obviously gets dragged out to be part of the Imperium and be a Primarch of a, of a Legion, which he doesn't really want to be, but obviously that's just the way, you mm. know, that's what they agreed, because he failed the challenge. And then, 
when you then fl- you know fast forward a bit further when he's then the, the whole plague thing that's happening while they're stuck in the warp again with which is obviously what typhon is uh pushing that again he's end up rope, getting roped into something again that he didn't want to be part of again and I, and that's why i feel mm. really sorry for him he's like god oh, just give me yeah. a break i just want to just you know <laughs> i just wanted to save the people on my planet and then mm. you know go and have drinks with my mates <laughs> But that's how it came across to me, anyway. It's quite, it's oh, yeah, quite interesting. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, he yeah. would have been so good just ruling Barbaros. <laughs> just be like, I'm going to sit he here. Done. We're going to yeah. we're going to clean the air a little bit. We're going to grow more wheat, and that's all we'll ever do. I think he yeah. would have been very happy <laughs> that entire yeah. time. Yeah, I think he would. I think he he just wanted a simple life. To be fair, mm. you know, he sort of, and he is a very simple character. But in a not, mm. but not in. A, I don't want to. I'm not saying that in a derogatory way. I'm not saying oh, he's, no, he's no. That, that doesn't mean boring. He's no. a simple character that that's just had a very hard time and just yeah. wants to get on and do the right thing. And that's where that I said that's where the human side of his of him is. He wants to just you know just free the people. Mm. You know, get rid of yeah. the overlords and. You know, happily ever after. Um, one thing I wanted to touch upon, actually, and this mm. is switching over to the uh, the other side of the novel, which is obviously oh, with good. you know Garrow. Spent so much and, talking about just half the novel. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I suppose it. You know, this that's the bit we we, we, we were getting excited about. Uh, yeah, the one thing I wanted to say. I mean, again, just a quick little mm. uh, summary, obviously from the Garrow side of things. So, uh, obviously Garrow, and you got like Garville Loken, and who's obviously a prominent mm. character from the first few novels, plus other uh, certain uh, Marines that are there. They're basically yep. been formed into the Knights Errant, which again is the early Grey Knights. It's been formed by Malkador the Sigilite. Um, mm. And basically, most of the novel, like you said earlier, they're, they're mainly the action scenes and they're basically dealing with like chaos cultists and, and you know, yeah. and basically, you know, early pox walkers mm. and, and, and plague victims and things like that. They're sort of basically, that's where the, the grunt of the fighting is. Um, but mm. one, one thing I really wanted to touch upon, which is quite, um, I felt was quite significant, that is that um, Malkador mm. and his relationship with Winter. Now, yes. <laughs> right. Now, Winter uh, is a character that's very interesting. Basically, he's a clone. Well, he's a clone of a clone of a clone, which actually categorically mm. says that. Basically, yeah. Winter, uh, when you see him in the novel, he's basically uh one of Malkador's little helpers or oh, that's how he comes across anyway you know he's just that he's he's just a, you know to to the i mean there's more to it than sorry that. no sorry you just remind me isn't the dog in the simpsons named santa's little helper yeah, it's, Malk- it's yeah, just that, yeah, that, that little- comparison is very apt, I think. Yeah, 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 it is actually. Yeah, Malkador's <laughs> little helper. And that's basically what he is, or that's how he's conveyed until the real mm. truth comes out. So, um, you know, there's like this, there's this one brilliant scene where I think it's, I think it's Rubio. Rubio's one of the strong, uh, mm. uh, uh psycho characters, uh, one of the yeah. ultramarines. Yeah. And he's, trying to get hold you know he's been tasked by Malkador to get winter and um, winter's like no no i don't want to go back to him leave me alone and and basically he ends up committing suicide and, yeah. and then later rubio sees winter again like hang on i saw you die what was what's, mm. what's this all about now the, the, the what i think the horrific truth uh, truth about um winter is is the fact that he's basically been cloned from the a dying eldar that they found in the uh, in the webway, and when mm. that was when I read that, I was like, "What? <laughs> hey, what was your thoughts on this all?" 
Like, that was really weird and interesting. Yeah. Like, and it, it sort of recontextualized things earlier in the book. Because, like, the first, like you said, the first time we see Winter, he's trying to run away from Alcador and Rubio is sent to track him down and get him. And Rubio is quite a powerful psyker and he can't get a hold of Winter's mind. Hmm. And he thinks it's because he's a pariah. But then on second thoughts, maybe it's more like he doesn't have a human mind to get a grip with. Because <laughs> yeah. he's literally more Eldar in the brain structure. Um, I know it was a really interesting twist. Um, mm. And I think I think it's particularly because, like, for me, the twist is not so much, not so interesting on its own. But it's interesting as in it's part of... Um, how Winter works for Malkador, because he's basically mm. Malkador's therapist. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah, sort of yeah. like Malkador tells him <laughs> yeah. all the horrible, awful things he's done and all the horrible, awful things he knows is going to happen as a way to get it off his chest. And every yeah. so often yeah. that results in Winter running off and trying to leap off the tallest spire in, you know, the holy city <laughs> on Terra. Um, at which point Malkador brings back a new Winter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gr- that is so mm. grim. Oh, Isn't it? Awful. When you break it down, that I, that is uh, that. I know we've said it before. So forty k or thirty k oh, yeah. in this one, but my it's like is a is cloned so... half 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 dead clone elf from yeah and, from the interdimensional portal yeah. realm. <laughs> and when he kills himself, I just make another one yeah. of him, and then I tell that one my my secret. <laughs> it's like it's like you've got this. You've got like a a like I said a half breed human Eldar lemming mm, that mm. the, the <laughs> psychologist lemming that keeps leaping to its death every so often and you create an, and then they get oh here's another one mm. and then tell it all your secrets oh it's i i was just brilliantly horrified mm. by that oh, it just sounds so, so bad. bad but it makes sense though because obviously mm. like i said malkador has got no one else to talk about yeah. you know to, really it's the, you can't talk to anyone mm. else and i think it's great in a way that rather than t- sort of you know deciding to speak to other superior mm. you know uh people on the side of the imperium you know he you know whether it was another primarch <laughs> nice. or even the emperor himself he's well, like I, no he, he gives it to this you know this yeah. this clone and mm. it's great it's a great idea oh, yeah well it's, it's a really it's, good idea it's like he it's, says he doesn't want to talk to rogal dawn anymore because all dawn thinks about <laughs> is fortifying terror <laughs> like there's, there's these great little bylines in all the winter bits where it's like oh god he cut down the beautiful Aquila highway this like beautiful highway that soared over the main city directly into the imperial palace because it was a structural weakness <laughs> so he cut it down and turned <laughs> yeah. it into a bunch of gun emplacements on the outside of the city <laughs> like where, where's this landing pad oh Dawn took his big laser cutter cut this landing pad off because he needed a landing pad somewhere else in the city no time to build yeah. one just take this one and glue it somewhere out. <laughs> yeah. oh god we're all Rogel yeah. Dawn <laughs> oh no I just got this I just got this <laughs> image of of like young child Dawn and young oh, child yeah. Malkador, yeah. where they're sort of like they're both like there's Dawn playing with like Lego bricks, like yeah. trying to build this fort, and like Malkador's like, I just want to talk. No, I've got to build. <laughs> it's like I don't want to talk. <laughs> got... <laughs> yeah, and like I mean, uh, I, I think there's also the side of it. He probably can't talk to any normal person because any normal nah, person would not. actually be corrupted by all this. Where you know it, it's sending Winter mad every single time, and yeah leading to his death almost every single time but a normal person would probably um, just fall to chaos or something along those yeah. lines immediately so it's like the idea i think that's part of why the eldari dna is important like he's engineered 
this person he can confide in who he knows won't turn into a tentacle monster because he's been talking to him. <laughs> yeah. But still yeah. has all the bad psychological side effects because he's not, he's not as mentally hardy as an elder, but he has like, he feels the emotions a little more intensely than a normal person and he's just got the mental resilience of an average guy who's like, I think he's yeah. like a, a rug merchant or something. Yeah, is what he that, yeah. is what he believes is his normal pastime. <laughs> yeah, because you have that horrible moment where he's like, "Can you remember what you did like a week ago?" And he's like, "Well, uh, yeah, of course I do. Uh, 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 no, I don't." <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like and it's that horrible realization when he comes across the real winter because the the real original winter is in like a like a well, a stasis sort of you know tank isn't it really and then mm. he sort of comes across himself like why am i looking at my face it's like well <laughs> there's a story behind yeah. that mm. <laughs> yeah it's that sort of horrific moment where you know you're the he's the 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 final clone it's it's yeah. it's, it's so grim it's so grim dark oh, but yeah. it's, it's 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 awesome um but no i think when you when you look at the, the you know the garrow side of the novel um I mean, I think to me, the in, I felt the most interesting bit, because let's be honest, a lot of it is mm. action scenes. I think I, the one thing I would take away from that side of the novel is I always felt, I felt sorry for, for them all primarily because you can tell they've got a lot of issues, obviously, because of what their legions are doing, you know, so they've got this sort of real like, oh my God, you know, I'm like Garrow's like, I'm a death mm. guard, what, you know what is Mortarian and the rest of my legion doing, uh, you know, et cetera. So any, especially any of the sort of, there's a world eater yeah. as well, you know, in the, in yeah. amongst them, it's like the, the actual ones that are now traitor legions, they're really struggling. But also the one thing I really noticed anyway, or it felt like it come across mm. is the fact that they're really struck to me anyway, they're really struggling to deal with this sort of this situation where they're all, of no legion and mm. together as a group mm. like they're really you know it's like a real learning curve because obviously they've had you know x amount of time being part of a legion with their brothers and you know your heraldry and your colors and everything mm. like that. and then to be a faceless you know colorless marine as part of like a secret group yeah. it's quite you can to me it feels like it's quite weird oh for them. yeah absolutely anyway. They, they were built for war to march proudly under the banner of their father. And now they're like, you dress in slate gray. You're allowed one item from your former legion. <laughs> one thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the rest is you work for Malkador. You go where you're told. You don't ask questions. Like yeah. the, the fact that at one point someone shows initiative and then Malkador goes, oh, if you told me about this, I would have ordered you to, ordered you to do that. But because you didn't tell me, I'm going to, I'm going to have a talk with you later about this. I'm like, yeah Dude, come on yeah come on yeah, give him a break <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i i thought like i said i felt it was interesting mm. and you can see the angst especially in garrow and obviously garviel loken as well because yeah. obviously you know we know obviously for we won't go over it but obviously the they're from the original or the very first sort of novels. And obviously mm. they were sort mm. of first hand, obviously when the, uh, the heresy started. So they've <laughs> particularly got uh, a lot of beef with <laughs> what's going yeah. on. Um, and, and I, I think it's, to me, it's exciting when you sort of go, Oh, wow, this is, this is the, the early gray nights. Oh, yeah. you know? And I, there's that, like the, the scene at the end where, you know, basically Garrow is let go. Mm. You know, he's Malkador says, look, Garrow, you go and pursue whatever you want to do. I'm not taking you with me, but I've got so much respect mm. for you. 
you just you you, you be you you go do you <laughs> whatever that whatever you want right. to do and obviously Loken refuses mm. and obviously to be part and then obviously the rest of them I love the, I love the fact they go through like a portal yeah. to, to Titan yeah. basically and obviously the em- the Emperor turns up to give him a pep talk mm. um, <laughs> to say yep um, but again I thought that was interesting actually yeah. you know with the Emperor turning up sort of towards the end where he sort of basically says that that I think it, it, he comes across like yeah maybe i wasn't all right about everything so so long as well mm. you know because obviously he's there sort of saying to them you know you're you're gonna you know and along with malkador you're going to be needed in the future yeah. you know you're yeah. you know you're not going to be needed now for this no. conflict you're not you're out <laughs> the heresy now like they're like what you know it's like no no you're you're you know you're you're the you know money for the rainy day yeah. in the bank yeah. account sort of thing you're not you're not you're not being spent now you're you're for later down the line mm. and it's yeah i thought it was, oh yeah i thought yeah. that part was very well, very it's interesting almost actually. but not quite the emperor admitting he was wrong because you know the big thing was yeah, you spread the secular truth there's no such thing as the warp there's no such thing as gods or demons or whatever what are you talking about has led to how the heresy got this bad because you know if you if he'd sat down and had a talk with magnus day one i think this would have all worked out much better uh but going, no, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, exist. True. Stop using your mind bullets as, as the executive decision on that was not a good idea. And now he's going, okay, we're still not telling anyone about this, but we do need to organize about this at the very least. Clearly not talking about it isn't making this problem go away. So we've got to set up the Grey Knights. One day they'll be there. And like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see what happens with Garrow. In, Garrow, uh, Loken, Loken, not so much maybe, but I want to see what happens with Garrow in the Siege of Terror. Because I have a feeling mm-hmm, it's going to be, I, I want this moment of him on the battlements and then Mortarion just appears with the wings and he's like, oh, yep. this is what it's come to. Oh. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Father, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, was there anything you wanted to add? Because I think we'll wrap um, this section up shortly. No, not really. I mean, it's interesting. It's like, um, I, I like the idea that it didn't go as flawlessly as planned with regards to the fall of the Death Guard. Like, um, cause there, there was a legitimate plan in place. Like, Typhus was going to show up and they were already basically going to have fallen more or less. And he was just going to, like, introduce them to the actual worship of Nurgle along the way home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, he turned up and went, Oh, they didn't use the demon they captured, the Nurgle demon yeah. called the Eater of Life that does nothing but beg to be unleashed upon a world. Instead, they yeah. went, this world has no organized military defense. We're going to land on the planet and walk forwards. Because we're yeah, the Death yeah. Guard. Because Mortaren's like, yeah. I, could, Death I, could being use, Death Guard. Yeah, I could use this horrific warp weapon, or I could just do things the way I've always done. Mm. And like that, that moment where Typhus is like, ah... He's a little more stubborn than I thought he might be about this. <laughs> there may be an issue. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Nah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I also want to, I want to give a shout out to the cover art because the cover's really cool. It took mm. me a while to work this out. It's not Mortarian and his equerry, uh, Rahib or whatever his name was. Uh, it's Mortarian and Typhon, actually. Oh, right. He's in, okay. he's, he's in Terminator armor. I thought he was in power armor because the, the hood mm. of the Terminator armor wasn't so obvious. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the book, they're like, yeah, Typhon's got a beard and everything is like, and just, just the art is good because it's Mortarian staring sort of resolutely forward into the future and behind his back, Typhon is giving him that look. Uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. sort of, sort of like grim determination with, uh, anger or upsetness as just like, they're a united front, but you know that's going to be a twist. And I don't think I've ever seen an image of Typhus without his helmet. 
Uh, no, I, I mm. yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I must have, I do, I think that's, I think that's what drew, really drew me to actually wanting to read this was mm. actually the cover art. I yeah. think it was just, it, it was just so striking in oh, its yeah. own sort of horrible way. So no, I totally <laughs> agree with that. Um, I think my last little thing I would say is just mm. I found it really cool was in the modern day or the 30k yeah. uh, situation. It was the fact that I like the fact that the Terminus Est and the Endurance, which is the mm. well, Endurance is Mortarian ship, Terminus Est is Typhon ship, is the fact that mm. you've got the Green Heart, which is like this yeah. little part of the, the ship that that it can sort of dock, you know, mm. dock or undock from the ship, and it can sort of, you know, and it and it doesn't have like its own weaponry to it as well. It mm. can sort of be used to sort of bombard as well, um, and I think that's where also they keep that particular demon as well, Grolcor yeah. as well. That's yeah. sort of where Typhon is sort of not Typhon, um, Mortarian has had him locked away, you know, so he can sort of talk to him and and such. So mm. yeah, I thought that was very cool. Like, mm. I was like, what a cool little sort of thing to have. <laughs> um, yeah but overall i th- i like we said at the start i really really like this yeah and yeah and i i really enjoyed listening to it a mm. second time as well i think and it, i just want to say i'll probably do it again <laughs> i think this is one that in the future i'll probably read again uh just because I, I like you i i thoroughly enjoyed it and i think if you have any interest in the death guard um and how they sort of came about i think it's a no-brainer um i know you've got like i said some people may look at the garrow side of things and the knights errant and think oh, whatever but it, again it's still it's still worth less, mm. you know worth uh, reading as well because again it's how the grey knights eventually got started yeah, so exactly. yeah i think it's a nice end to the heresy before mm. again before the siege of terror novels start yeah so yeah get on it definitely <laughs> right okay uh we'll take our last little break and uh, now this is all wrapped up and then when we return we're going to be talking about sigmar and friends back soon And we're back. Final part of the show, discussion topic time, where we pick a topic and we discuss it. Um, <laughs> um, and in this one, we're going to have a, a short little uh, discussion, because I don't imagine this will be that long, uh, no. where we're basically going to discuss about, basically, will do we think, from in the AOS side of things, do we think there'll be a schism in the order pantheon of the gods um i think what we'll do is rather as opposed to sort of doing yes and no reasons we'll sort of just have a general sort of chat about Mm. it um yeah and obviously i mean cameron you thought of this discussion obviously (laughs) some of the things that we've seen in the upcoming forbidden power well should be released as of today Mm. uh but obviously we'll no doubt talk about it in the future so uh, yeah so so what so what's your thinking at the moment i mean I would say technically it's already happened slash done to happen. Like we're, 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 Age mm-hmm. of Sigma is so weird because we're like in the process of discovering the lore sort of as things are released. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah. you know, between there was a malign portent story first and now with Forbidden Power out and about, we actually know more about what that was referencing. But it's the malign portents one where it's Mal- Malarian and Marathi talking in the prison of Slanesh over a soul. And, you know, offhandedly, mm-hmm. Malarian's like, you know, Teclas is not a fan of Sigma right now because he gave him this great gift and Sigma just turned it into some idiot tool. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah. found out, obviously, that, um, Teclas made something called Enlightenment Engines, which were designed to yep. make everyone around them smarter, I think is the idea. Something like to literally raise people up around them, something like that. 
Yeah, I think it's to I think it's yeah it's to spread enlightenment. Mm. I think it's basically to spread knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, everyone just like I said, everyone gets a bit more clever because they mm. just they you know rather than suppressing knowledge, yeah. it's it's to yeah, yeah. to spread spread the knowledge love. And obviously, <laughs> what Sigma did was he went in there, messed around with the cabling, reversed the polarity, and made suppression engines or whatever they're called, um, shadow engines, penum- penumbral engine. That was it. Yes, uh, that's the ones. And now it does the exact opposite and projects an aura of people forget things and can't see things and things like that because he's been using this to protect the storm vaults where he's locked away all these awful, terrible things from the Age of Myth. Um, yep. And Teclas really didn't like that because he went, I, d- I gave you something that could have raised up every person in every city of order across the realms and you used it to lock a door. <laughs> effectively <laughs> yeah um yeah and so like that schism's happening uh, it happened the the foundations were probably even earlier with the grand pantheon where you know as nagash and gorkamorka and all the elven gods and sigma all got together and said hey chaos is a problem and that broke up fairly quickly uh once nagash got a little unhappy with all the soul thieving going on uh <laughs> and that sort of laid the foundation for it, it like it seems difficult for there to be this unified pantheon uh, we can't forget Grungni, of course. Uh, I think Grung, I, I kind of would like to see it as not necessarily outright war, but literal lack of, not civility, lack of support between factions. Like, Grungni and Sigma get along fine. People, people who work for Grungni, people who work for Sigma, they get along fine. The elves of all flavors <laughs> have just gone, actually, we've been told not to be a fan of you right now. Like, the daughter's cane goes, <laughs> yeah. look, you snubbed Marathi in public. We can't be having this. You know, the light elves, the shadow elves mm-hmm. go, the light elves go, you did what with, you did what with God's perfect creation? No, we ain't having any of this. Like, I, <laughs> I know that, like, mechanically, it's probably never going to get quite that bad just because they want these grand alliances. So, like, order will always eventually side with each other against chaos or destruction or death, that kind of thing. But, Yep. I really want that sort of internecine conflict where it's like they will work together if they have to, but for the most part they absolutely cannot stand one another and these are these are the interesting story things that have happened as a result. Like, you know. Like the like mm-hmm. the idea that the only elves people might be exposed to in the future might be the Ideneth, because the Ideneth ran mm-hmm. away from Teclas and Tyrion and aren't actually directly influenced by or allied with any of those gods. They might still be fine with Sigma, but, you know, the Light Elves and the Shadow Elves go, nah, we're, we're not having any of that. <laughs> and yeah. see how that changes yeah. people's perceptions. Like, you know, like, a hundred years in the future, the regular person in Age of Sigma might go, you know, Elves are really creepy. Half of them don't have eyes and they eat <laughs> souls. And meanwhile, you know, like, two states <laughs> yeah. over there, there's a High Elf just sitting in a bar like, they said, what about me? I don't do that. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah no i i, I get it. i know exactly where you're coming from i i think that you've got a situation where almost in a way you, you don't i bob like you i don't want the order to necessarily get along with mm. each other all the time anyway because it because obviously they've got a lot of the factions and, uh, and i'm putting aside the models mm. i mean just purely from a uh, law perspective they've got a lot of the factions because obviously by definition they will because obviously it's not necessarily good good guys Mm. and bad guys as we've said before it's about order is about being you know relatively in (laughs) in order in the sense that you you have civilization you build cities and towns you know you you know you've uh, you know but it doesn't mean you're perfect and far from it in some cases and and i i I agree i think that 
you've got this sort of weird mm. sort of dynamic at times where, you know, you've got like daughters of Cain, you know, uh, you know, in, t- in fact, teaming up with like fire slayers mm. and, and Caradron overlords. But really most of the order factions have, have got their own, um, uh, motive really, haven't they? Because, you know, like I said, you've got the, you know, break mm. it down. You've got the deep, the deep kin are obviously all about trying to get souls, but but especially with this forbidden power situation that's coming coming up, they've definitely got an ulterior motive that they're hinting oh, yeah. at because they because the, obviously it's suggesting that they're after the engines to basically potentially cover up their mm. armies, you know, because obviously because it makes people forget, and obviously that's very much in play with deepkin as we know from the law, where where they often when they steal the souls mm. of their victims, they they're left in a comatose, yeah. you know, loss of yeah. memory state. So th- this is very in keeping with them. So they've got their motive. Fire slayers are basically mercenaries, mm. give or take. Um, Caradron overlords can be almost the same, and they they're often pirates, and again they're only really after what they can gain from it. Um, obviously, the daughters of Cain have got their own you know agenda <laughs> with the you know for trying to need to find the pieces of Cain, mm. and obviously uh, you know Norzil, the lovely blood things they get up to and, and like that. Uh, obviously, the free guild you know and and, and general humans have, like I said, I suppose are just the norm really just trying to do what you know live day by day defend mm. their you know their mm. realm and things like that um and obviously we don't know what the light and shadow elves are going to be until they're actually here but obviously again they're going to have their own agenda especially the shadow elves with malarian and Mar- mm. you know and uh, the links to marathi are going to be there so how you know how nice or bad are they going to be um you know and and like we, and i think the key thing as well is when it comes to sigmar is he's known for doing things his own way and doing things. Mm. It's almost like he feels he's in charge all the time and, you know, he'll go off and do these things. So like you said, Teclas has given him this wonderful gift. Look, I've given you something that will, you know, convey and, and expand on knowledge. And, and, and so he was like, Oh, thanks very much. And then, like I said, has then gone to Grugney, who obviously is happy to do it because obviously it's screwing over the elves and obviously there's no love lost between them. They, the fact that they're, they're now doing sort of manipulating this gift and not using it for yeah. what it was intended. And it's like, you know, from Teclis's point of view, he's probably thinking, well, that was a bit <laughs> shitty. Sigmar, <laughs> you to do that. And as we know from in the past with Sigmar and Nagash, and obviously Nagash isn't mm. part of the order anymore, but was sort of effectively part of the pantheon, you know, in previous ages. But again, I know obviously Nagash ended up being Nagash and doing mm. Nagash type things. But, um, but again, Sigmar doesn't have a great track yeah. record, really. I think what, what Sigmar has relied on is, is basically freeing them, you know, obviously help free Nagash. He helped free, uh, mm. Gorka And I, I think you also, yeah, then he, uh, well, I don't think he freed Teclas and Tyrion, but I think he sort of, they, they were sort yeah. of glad to see him first of all. And I think he's taken advantage yeah. of that. Oh, so to speak, you know, the, the, like they owe him something and really they, they're getting to the point where like, do we owe you something? Do we really? Uh, mm. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Um, you know, I know obviously Sigma will probably say, well, you know, I'm doing it for the greater good. We're fighting chaos. That's why I created the Stormcast Eternals. And, and let's not get this wrong. Remember, the Stormcast Eternals have been helped by mm. the other gods. Obviously, Grungni has helped, you know, helped with the forging and obviously, you know, the way things have gone with that. And obviously, I think they even helped with, I think they even Teclas and, well, I, I say Teclas and Tyrion, probably mm. more Teclas. He helped, um, 
uh, hide them initially when they mm. were being created from from what I remember reading. So again, you know, it's almost like one of these situations where Sigmar's happy to get the help from the other gods, but he, he starts to abuse that mm. sort of situation. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, we're talking many years time, but you where almost they sort of properly fracture up the order where, you know, I mean, would it be a situation of, would you get, not a civil war as such, but do you, would you see sort of similar to what you see in D&D mm. where you've got like, yeah. you know, n- neutral, you know, order and neutral, yeah. you know, good, the, good, and good, good order and stuff factions. like that. He is the lawful evil order factions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, where they sort of, they're, they're almost forming sides mm. because obviously as we're seeing with Forbidden Power, you, you're seeing where the Stormcast, the Fire Slayers, the Deep Kin mm. and the Caradron Overlords. I yeah. think they're the four factions that are now being teamed yeah. up, which is great. But, you know, you could sort of, you could almost see it in a, I, I know it sounds weird, but like a, or like almost like in a, a wrestling analogy mm. where you sort of, you, where wrestlers end up sort of, you know, forming their own factions and then the factions combine to, to make bigger factions and then they go against each other. You, I could see it where almost you could potentially mm. take the order Grand Alliance and almost split them oh, right yeah. down the middle. And then they go one of two ways. And then you have this sort of where, uh, and obviously death and chaos are there rubbing their hands <laughs> and destruction is just carrying yeah. on causing yeah. destruction. <laughs> and they don't care. And, uh, and just, seeing the order sort of fighting each other basically mm. so no i could and and also as we see with mercenaries being yeah, a thing yeah. soon where you know you'll have these weird you know we have fire slayers fighting for the blades of corn and, and combinations mm. like that you, i think it, it could end up being a free fall oh, yeah. where the grand alliance is a a, a, a moot mm. basically they don't really mean anything so hmm. <laughs> interesting yeah. let's see we'll see what mm. happens but uh <laughs> Yeah, like I said, we just wanted, uh, you know, uh, I mean, if you, if anyone listening, if you've got any ideas, uh, let us know, you know, how you think things will go, you know, on any of the ways you can contact us. Because I think it, it, I think as we, with, as we've said multiple times and as Cameron said a bit earlier, with AOS, obviously we're learning as we yeah. go because obviously <laughs> it's all new. With 40K, obviously we've got, there's so much history, mm. um, to delve into, whereas obviously we're learning on the fly along with everyone else. So, um, I can't wait to see what, that's forbid, oh, yeah. forbidden power really has in it i'm definitely going to grab the mm. book and at least and because i i think i think we'll definitely cover oh, yeah. it yeah. soon i think it'll be it'll be silly not to really because i think it'll be very interesting so um so yeah that's been our sort of short little discussion topic at the end just to you know just be thought provoking <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah and that's going to be the end of uh, episode 28 um hope you've enjoyed it um as i said if you ever want to contact us you mentioned we mentioned the social media channels right at the start uh, or you can go onto our website as well go to realmruin.com slash contact and you know if there's anything you want us to cover in the future or any opinion on anything just always mm, let us know yeah. uh, and obviously one of the best places to talk to us directly is obviously to join our discord server as well um and talking to social media where can <laughs> people find you on the internet cameron uh you can find me on the twitter uh, where I'm talking about how Australia is bad, actually, and I'll be talking about D&D, because I love D&D, and it's better than my country. Uh, can you tell we just had an election? Uh. <laughs> 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 no. uh, but yeah, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, all kinds of all kinds of cool things happening in my life that I occasionally post photos of. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm. Happy and days. And yourself. 
yeah, you can also find me on that Twitter. Uh, you can find me at NinjaBadger7. Um, I'm probably not as active because I spend I spend most of my time on the Realm and Ruin one. But uh, <laughs> you know, feel free to hit me up. But like I said, you can contact us either on our own uh, Twitters or obviously mm. on the Realm and Ruin one as well. Um, so yeah, that will be the end of this episode and. We will be, and I will say it now because I will definitely get hold of it. We will be talking about the head of knights of, of uh, Sinesh <laughs> next episode. Oh, yeah. Because I know, obviously, <laughs> last episode we had to switch it around, so we will be definitely covering it mm-hmm. uh, next episode and all the lore behind it. Uh, so, yep, yeah, all very exciting. Hope mm-hmm. you've enjoyed it. And we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Ciao.